BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need, all one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Increase of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or a rating and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Increase of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries, which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at increaseofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the link tree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. everyone, and welcome to the 30th episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today with me, I have Chud X and Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled. How's it going, guys? Oh, it's going well, man. How are you? Not too bad myself. So uh, before we get going here, for anybody that hasn't actually heard you guys show for some surprising reason, because I feel like a lot of people have, uh, do you guys want to let the listeners know just what you guys do on your show? Yeah, sure. You want to do it, Chud? Yeah, sure. Uh, 
I, I joined up with Adam, uh, with uh, Adam and his mother-in-law, Deborah, for Deborah Gets Red Pilled, where Adam uh, feeds red pills to his mother-in-law, who's a blue-pilled Democrat for life living in the Bay Area. And before I joined, he was he had many guests on to red pill her on different subjects, uh, such as uh, when he had legal man on and uh, shook shook her faith in the democratic process and other other wild subjects like that flat earth uh the moon landing all kinds of things but then after what was it 70 80 episodes yeah uh, mid 70s i think mid 70s uh adam was kind of losing faith in the idea that he was getting deborah red pilled on anything because she kept reverting to her blue pilled ways so uh, I think he said, kind of fuck all that. Let's start a new podcast on the same feed called Into the Apocalypse, where he and I just, we said, you know, no rules. We're going as deep as we want on anything we want. No uh, entry level softball shit like uh, like like Deborah needed. And we we went for a little while like that. But now we've brought Deborah back into the fold and uh, we're doing some episodes with her and some episodes without her, depending on who we're talking to and how deep we want to go. So just, uh, just as an idea, cause I'm kind of curious, what was the initial red pills you were trying to feed her when you guys first started the show? Uh, first thing I did was, uh, first one episode two, first episode was just kind of intro. Second episode was uh nine 11. Um, and then I did uh Franklin scandal and, um, we started, you know, right at the tail end of the summer of 2020. So there was, um, before, you know, when I was brand new, I couldn't really get any guests on. Um, it was just me talking to her about current events and, and pointing out the, the philosophical inconsistencies in, uh, her way of thinking, which, you know, for the most part, people like with her politics don't really care about philosophical inconsistencies, but she, uh, you know, she's come a long way. Um, we had uh, Bart Sabrell on a while back, a couple episodes back, and she does not believe we went to the moon. Um, she knows 9-11 is an inside job, and she's uh, lost all faith in Don Lemon and CNN and the Cuomo family. So that's, I mean, you know, every once in a while she takes a horrific step back or just says something um, extremely retarded, but uh, she's come a long way for a blue-pilled boomer in her world you know and then um a lot of what i've a lot of I've, I've realized that a lot of um what's going on with her line of thinking is just not wanting to uh upset that apple cart you know not not disbelieving what i'm telling her but not ever being able to stand up to somebody or or tell somebody um that she's uh you know in her in her circle of friends or family about some weird stuff because she knows what that would mean yeah just trying to keep with that like ignorance is bliss kind of a concept makes it so it's a little bit easier for her to navigate through normal society if she kind of keeps one foot in both sides almost yeah i guess so yeah just uh like i don't think uh, her husband knows that she's on a podcast i don't even think he knows what what we talk about or anything it's really it's quite strange so 
say hence the name it's awesome that you guys started to actually get to red pillar a little bit especially because you said you guys kind of threw the idea off to the side for a minute but it's cool that she started coming around even if she's only you know one foot in each side it's still a good start you know you gotta you gotta start chiseling away a little bit you can't just fully throw somebody in you know yeah yeah i i we try to but uh sometimes we just we just uh we chud chud grabs her ankles and i grab her arms and we do the old we swing her right into the <laughs> right into the deep end so I got to ask, what was your guys' uh, red pill moment? Like what started making it so that one, you guys started to realize that everything was wrong. And then what was the breaking point where you guys decided that you guys really wanted to start doing a podcast and start showing the rest of the world these different concepts? Go ahead, Chad. You, you go first. Well, mine goes back really far. Um, and it's kind of in stages. Uh, I, was a, I was a punk rocker, um, you know, fuck the system. Uh, called myself an anarchist when I was when I was a teenager. Uh, hated hated uh, a lot of social norms and things like that. And I also within that probably uh, considered myself to be a liberal to some degree. But then as I got a little bit older, and I watched all of my friends as we were all growing up, they all became very much so you know Democrats who were pro welfare pro all these things. And I was going, well, wait, guys, I, I thought the government was bad. Weren't we all saying government's bad? Um, at which point I started, uh, I probably became less of an anarchist at that time, which I wasn't, I, I never fully understood the concept of anarchism back then. Uh, but I, I became more of a conservative. I started listening to like Rush Limbaugh. I started kind of just uh, trying to fly in the face of everything all my friends had been uh, been telling me was was horrible my whole life and uh i went i went kind of far down the conservative road uh without buying into it too much but listening to it a lot and that eventually led me over towards libertarianism and uh i really bought into the whole libertarian concept and considered myself to be a libertarian for a long time uh all the way up until just probably about five years ago was when i I read uh, some Murray Rothbard and some some deeper anarchism philosophy books and things like that. And I really started wrapping my head around the concept of decentralization and all these things. And I went very far in that direction. And then 2020 hit and I realized all of that shit is a complete and total waste of time. (laughs) And that was as I was starting my homestead uh, life. And um, I... I've, I've worked very hard since then to try and try and decentralize my life and uh, live under more of the concept of agorism and things like that than I was as I considered myself to be a, an ANCAP for a long time, an anarcho-capitalist, uh, which agorism, my, my, in some ways, it's the same concept, but it's throwing out these, um, these labels and barriers that I think get put up around ideals of libertarianism and anarcho-capitalism and things like that. And uh, meanwhile, as all of that stuff was happening, I knew that 9-11 was an inside job. I knew that vaccines were bullshit. Um, I had a very strong interest in uh, ancient history. And when I discovered Graham Hancock, uh, that put me into a whole new new level of uh, believing that our our history could be false. And then as well in about 2020, I learned of the concept of Tartaria and started going, oh shit, I think it's possible that everything we've been told is total bullshit. 
So I definitely love to touch back on the Tataria a little bit farther in the episode once uh once Adam lets us know how uh how he started all this stuff too because that's one of those concepts that I hear a lot about but uh I haven't heard enough about it in one solid spot to really get a full grasp of it so I'd love to definitely learn more. It's, about it, it takes a lot more than one solid spot to get a full grasp of it, man. True. So, <laughs> we're not there it's, yet either. It's so um, true. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I guess I'll go. I uh. So I got um, sober off drugs and alcohol when I was like 32 years old in 2012. And up to that point, um, you know, my life was just kind of ruled by the thought of when can I uh, get what I need next. And, um, you know, a few years of just healing my brain and getting back to normal and uh, getting a job and like I got a good union job and was kind of just... Uh, a cog in the system. Um, the election season of 2015 starts coming around. Um, so we got uh, Hillary Clinton, we got Donald Trump, we got Bernie Sanders. I'm a, I'm all in on this. I'm a union iron worker at the time. I'm all in on it. I start uh, I start giving money to uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign. I uh, I haven't discovered economics yet. Stuff that Bernie Sanders is saying. Uh, makes a lot of sense, you know, and uh, he's in this uh, primary race with Hillary Clinton and he's winning all these, all these state primaries. He's winning the popular vote and he's leaving the state with less delegates or less, uh, less, is that what they call them? Delegates than Hillary Clinton is. And she's like getting these, She's winning because there's these super delegates, super delegates <laughs> that like each state has um, a, a few people that have super delegate votes, kind of like, I guess, uh, and they're all um, they all work for the Democratic National Committee. And I start looking into this and I'm like, man, this seems really messed up, you know, but I keep supporting Bernie. Um, finally, um, it comes down to it. He steps down and tells everybody it was a great race uh you need to go support hillary clinton now my union tells me the same thing i'm a little bit weirded out but i go come 2016 and i vote for hillary clinton one of the most uh shameful regretful embarrassing things that i will openly admit in my life there's a couple more, but I won't talk about. Yeah, I won't admit those ones. But wait, um, wait, are those worse than voting for Hillary? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, one time, I, me and my cousin touched dicks or something like that. You know. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, and then um, you know, I'm I'm uh, my brain's starting to to recover a little bit more and more. I start um, you know, I I figure out I find podcasts. I start listening to Joe Rogan, just like so many other people. I hear, um, I hear this guy, this comedian, this libertarian comedian, Dave Smith on Joe Rogan. And um, just like Chud X, I start going down this whole uh, libertarian freedom, um, anarcho-capitalism uh, rabbit hole. And uh, I don't go as deep as him. I don't read as much, but I'm all in. I'm, uh, I consider myself an ANCAP. I think that, you know, we need to change the world by not having any government. And I think that that's maybe a possibility at the time, which I know for sure is not at this time. I would like it to be, but I know it's never going to happen. And, um, you know, I just keep, and then uh, at the same time I start, um, you know, I think uh, people that get into libertarianism are very open to 
conspiracy theories. Um, I started listening to Tinfoil Hat. I've always been, I do jujitsu. I'm a big Eddie Bravo fan. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, uh, I find a whole bunch of people that I like, podcasts I started listening to and exploring all these different things that I never, you know, that I would have previously, I know for a fact that I made fun of people, you know, chemtrails, vaccines, people that, that believed it, that this stuff was real or bad for you. And, uh, you know, I start, I start, my, my brain just kind of explodes and I start this massive download of information. Um, I start uh, talking with my mother-in-law. I, I have, my in-laws are fantastic people. I got really lucky. You know, it's not that often that you can show up with like severely um, cauliflowered ears and like missing teeth and throat tattoos and your um, somewhat conservative um, in-laws love you and accept you and are nice to you. So I, I got lucky there. And um, I just started kind of like trolling my mother-in-law I'm, um, and like talking to her about the inconsistencies of the politicians that she worshiped and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm, I got tired of, of listening to these, these, uh, conspiracy shows that was just, it would just be like two or three people agreeing with each other the whole time. Kind of like what me and Chud X have now, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I was like, man, this would make a, we would have these long text threads of me just like pointing out just the horrible things that the people that she worships does. And um, I was like, this would be a really cool idea for a podcast. And uh, I put it off for a long time. And then um, summer of 2020 um, in Portland, Oregon, where I was living, got so bad that I uh, gave me the motivation to get up off my ass and, and get it started. And, you know, it's been a, been a long road since then. We're 125 episodes in and yeah, I think we're doing great. It's a lot of fun. It's really frustrating sometimes, but I've gotten to talk to like all my conspiracy heroes and, um, you know, Chad X and I are, are you know, we're, we met on the internet. We met through Monica Perez's propaganda report. And we're like best friends now and we know each other in real life. And yeah, now I don't live in the city. I live on a, on a 15 acre homestead and uh, I don't have a job and I just like chill and, and I work hard every day and I have sheep and it's, uh, it's a weird trip, man. Props to both of you guys for being able to live off grid in a sense, uh, at least as far, as far as like taking care of yourself. Like the farthest I got, cause I'm four miles out of the city is some chickens and stuff. And I'm not even supposed to have them, but my intention is to eventually get away from the city and hopefully be able to get away from a corporate job and, you know, start doing a little bit more of the podcasting aspect. Cause it's really hard once you start this kind of shit to go into just the normal world and pretend like you don't believe in all this kind of shit in order to make it so that you're you can go about your job and deal with normal people, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, good on you for um, getting chickens without permission, because that's what I, that's how I first started too. So um, yeah, even if it's just like getting more than the city, then you're supposed to have in the city, but yeah, right on that counts extra for you. I got a yeah. tiny little yeah. back. Push, push all those rules, push them. Dude, I got two ducks too. That's the even funny part about it. I got two coops in my backyard and I do gardening and all that kind of shit during the summer. I try to grow my own fruits and vegetables. Most of the time I go to like Eastern Market, which is this little area in Detroit, weirdly enough, but it's like a meetup for all the local farmers and everything. And I try to just buy as much local stuff as possible because I'm all about trying to support local and small business type people rather than, you know, all these big corporations that have enough fucking money that, you know, are still around after covid because, you know, they're purposely trying to shut down all these mom and pa shops, you know. So you live close to Detroit? 
Yeah, Detroit starts at eight mile, and I live at right. twelve mile, so I'm four miles out of out of like the city. But this downtown city doesn't start till a little bit farther past that. But uh, it's it's all suburban. I live in like the metro Detroit area, as we'd call it. So yeah, what's uh, I've seen a whole bunch of stuff on uh, the internet and shit like that about all these uh, urban farms that are that are kind of popping up that they're doing like these collectives on on a lot of these abandoned lots and burned out houses and stuff like that. Is that something you know about? Yeah, they're doing a lot of that down here. That's what a lot of uh, Eastern Market is. They'll have specific uh, little setups where it says like Detroit grown. And uh, they're just these little local farm setups that people build on top of like cities or on top of um, buildings and stuff like that down here. Or they'll do the same thing like you're saying. They'll take like burned out vacant areas and uh, they'll turn them into like a like a local garden type area. And uh, it's, it's awesome that we're starting to slowly kind of build up to that. But either way, I still want to kind of go a little bit north and away from the city just for my yeah. own sake. But... <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, I think. Good. Go ahead, Chuck. Uh, I was gonna say, I think, I think getting farther away from the city, I, I encourage anyone and everyone to do that. But that is an awesome concept that I hear you guys talking about. I haven't heard anything about that, particularly for the Detroit area. But uh, if Detroit looks the way it does in my mind right now, uh, with with the burned out buildings and 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 a lot of a lot of abandoned space and things like that, reclaiming that is that is a beautiful thing, man. That's uh, the idea of, of, of people like turning any of that into something that's producing food or even if they're not producing food, but they'd be better if they were just to be taking those things back and, and living there against against the uh, against the rules, against what the government is saying. Uh, I think that's that's a great thing. There's a lot of low key farms like it's funny. I'll hear chickens off in the distance. So I know I'm not the only one in this area that has chickens. And weirdly yeah. enough, my duck coop. I built my chicken coop from scratch, but my duck coop was like a spare the moment thing because uh, I had them originally with my chickens before I had more knowledge about it. So I got to a point where I had to get them away. So I ended up buying a coop and the guy ended up being like three streets over from me. So, uh, you know, he, he ended up having chickens. So I'm not the only one. And my neighbor next door, it's illegal in my state to collect rainwater. And she has giant barrels for collecting rainwater so that she can water her plants and stuff like that with it. So she peeks over my fence, knows I have chickens. She doesn't say shit. I don't say shit. We got this agreement, even though we've never spoken to each other. So that kind of works out. <laughs> Imagine that absolutely mind-boggling that, that collecting rainwater is illegal? I think it's illegal here, but I, I, I really don't think anyone would ever enforce it, even though there's been some horrible stuff enforced in where I live. But imagine being the person being the neighbor that calls the cops on someone who's collecting on, on your next door neighbor for collecting rainwater that's insane that's that, like a that, straight that, conspiracy right there because it's like there's no other logical reason why they would make that illegal besides the fact that they're trying to collect every fucking dollar out of you for the water you use oh yeah 100 yeah. percent. and i i don't think that person exists adam i mean maybe they do but boy we're talking next level karen you know karen squared <laughs> yeah <laughs> Because, because uh, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, like for one thing, I I mentioned things like illegal rain water collecting, which isn't an issue here, uh, but I'll mention that. And I, number one response from normal people is no, no, that's not the case. That can't possibly be the case. Or like what you're saying of having chickens, you know, too close to the city. Uh, not even saying in the city, but too close to the city. And people are like, nah, nah, it's not like that. But these things are absolutely true. I mean, but mo most people, the reason I'm saying that is because most people don't even realize that those things are illegal. Uh, it only becomes that if you're if you're a Boy Scout who's deciding to get chickens and you look into your to your local local laws and you find out, oh, no, I can't do it. 
you know, yeah. but then the idea that someone would then call the cops or call, I don't know, we'd call 911. My neighbors have chickens in their yard. I mean, what would they say? Would they say, is this an emergency, sir? They try to do some thing too, where it's like a hundred feet away from the house and a hundred feet away from the back fence, but there's no yards that big here. So yeah. like, it's, mm-hmm. they try to slide it in there. Like it's not illegal, but you have to have this size yard, but <laughs> yeah, I was on a big dumb podcast on a Sunday night with um, chef Matt Pierce from Granite state spice blends. And he lives in New Hampshire, the live free or die state where everybody's saying we got to move to because it's a, you know, it's a free state. And he's not allowed to have chickens where he lives. Mm. They try to they try to hide it within the laws too. Like there's strict laws about not having anything, but like the poultry you have here, um, they like even within that hundred feet, hundred feet, they say that you can only have up to like four. So no matter what, I'm nowhere near the yard regulations for it. One and two, I have six chickens. I had a I had a uh, a rooster, but he passed away recently. Um, and then I have two ducks. So I'm like, I'm far beyond that shit. And I'm still planning on getting more chickens because with the eggs, it's like every time we've had an issue where there's uh, not as much food supply here. Like I've had weeks where I just eat fucking eggs all the time. And it's like, if I didn't have these chickens, I wouldn't have had that. And I don't know what the fuck I would have done. Like they've, they've saved me more times than I can count, man. Yeah. That's great that you got that as a backup. I, uh, I, I, I haven't had any real food issues yet in my life. Um, but, uh, but the fact that like I sell tons of eggs, uh, we, we, we actually, as much as I said it, when we first started doing this, I said, I don't think we'll ever make any money off of eggs. We, we actually are, are, I mean, it's not decent, decent, but we're, we're certainly not losing money on our chickens, uh, by the, the amount of eggs that we've been selling. And to know that I have that as a backup in case shit really hits the fan, you know, you mentioned, uh, a little bit back uh, of, of us being off grid, which, um, uh, you know, I'm far from being off grid. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, well, you know, it's moving in a direction towards it. I have, I have aspirations to someday. You be could off say the grid. We're, we're halfway there because we got wells. So what's, what would make you off grid completely uh, independent of the government for water and electricity? Yeah. Electricity would be a big one. If, if I'm, if I'm using, if, if, if I'm using electricity and internet, I'm, I'm on grid, you know, right there. And if I'm going to, I think, but more so than that, I mean, I would feel pretty off grid if I was still just taking power from, from, uh, from the, the local source or whatever. But, uh, if I wasn't going to a grocery store, I'd be saying, I'd be closer to saying I'm off grid, but I go to the grocery store. Well, my wife goes to the grocery store. <laughs> I kind of quit doing that in 2020. <laughs> yeah, you guys are uh, really advanced on your your food prep and uh, pantry prep. So I want to get there, but my goal for you know the short term is is grocery store once a month. You know, and I think that's doable, and I think it might be extra doable coming up in these uh, future months coming up because I don't think there's going to be any any reason to go to the store soon. I don't yeah. know if it goes so, across every single state, but there's a lot of states that'll say you can be off grid, but you have to have one type of hookup. So again, that's just, you know, another money grasp that they're saying like, yeah. you know, we want to collect money from you. So either you have to have water hooked up, you have to have electricity hooked up, you have to have something, but they don't want you to be completely off grid from them because they want to be able to keep tabs on you and still make money off of you. Yeah, How about if I hook it up and then don't use it? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Shit. You could hook up electricity and then, you know, have your own solar power hooked up. Just have it. Sh- form. Yeah. Or like, at, 
did you get that set did you get your new setup with uh with the generator is that installed and, and good yeah, to go? It's all, it's all good to go i just gotta get it yeah so right if you were if you were in this hypothetical you know okay i have to be hooked up but then you throw that switch that you had installed and you run yep. off of a generator and you know yeah you're hooked up but your bill is you know, either zero or, or $5, whatever the minimum, they probably have a minimum amount that you have to pay. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Turn on yes. one light on that, on that power. And then everything else you have, you have running on the other power. So it just looks like you're doing a little bit of something and you'd be like, Oh no, I just don't use that much power. I promise you. <laughs> one little floodlight that's in there for you to turn on, to look at your generator. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. The, the, the gasoline bill for the generator would get expensive though. Yeah. <laughs> right now at this point now. in time. At this point in time, yeah, generators seem like they're like, two years ago. I would have been talking all about, yeah, gotta have a generator, generator, generator. Now I'm going, well, fuck, man, the generator's kind of short sighted to me. Like, it's, uh, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not against generators, don't get me wrong, but it's, uh, I mean, I've in my little spot for my area that I'm in, gas in general is above five bucks a gallon, but. I, I go out to this Indian reservation where it's stayed closer to four bucks, like almost a dollar less than what all the people around me are paying. But now that's getting up to five and the city's getting up to six bucks a gallon around here, which is like just freaking insane. And that's making me go like I'm I mowed lawn for a couple hours today and I'm going, shit, this sucks. I'm just burning through this gasoline just to mow this lawn. Like it's making me start to evaluate. Maybe I don't want to be mowing my lawn anymore. That may be another reason that they're doing that shit too, is to try to push out people that are trying to talk about generators and using generators because they're trying to separate that gap to make it so the rich stay ultra rich and everybody else becomes poor, poor. And uh, even in Michigan, dude, it's like 460 something. And in the city, I'm sure it's more than that because usually the city is at least 50 cents more on average. So I'm sure it's even more so than that. Now that we're starting to progress into this whole, as they want to call it, like, Oh, we have a shortage of oil and all that kind of bullshit, knowing that we have more than enough. It's, I think it's all just a ploy in order to, again, steal money from the people, from the people. And that's why the prices of everything are raising on top of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Prices of everything are just freaking skyrocketing right now. And then I, I just heard, uh, I heard our new, uh, uh, press secretary, uh, I, oh, I heard a clip a, of her. She's a genius, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, did you hear her talking about inflation? They're asking yeah, about how some, the how the taxing the ultra wealthy will reduce inflation. Yeah, she if you want, I'll go with it. She's a genius because she's a genius at not freaking answering a question. Well, Jen I mean, Saki was a genius at not answering a question. She did it good. Yeah. But this oh, one, this one, this one was a girl. This one was doing the, the Kamala Harris of just like the third grader who didn't do his fucking book reporter homework trying to like bullshit to the teacher you know that's yeah, all she kept doing was explaining that no no we are going to be taxing the rich more yeah and yeah yeah she, but what's that got, got to into, do with inflation she got into race and climate change as well so oh yeah on, on on no agenda they played a montage of her just talking about racism for like five minutes it's insane oh that's awesome yeah that's the callback if you don't know what to talk about you just start talking about racism then you get all the yeah people going, i mean yeah. that, that's her that's her uh go-to it's they it's not all recent it's from like the past few years but yeah and then have you guys what do you guys think about this like oh, ministry i've, I've heard that it's thing? over it's over the years like it's her talking about race through the yeah I've, yeah I've so she's that. she's a full-on race baiter so yeah. yeah and always has been yeah yeah um have you, what, do you guys, what do you guys think about the ministry of truth 
got put on hold because people were going so crazy. But I read 1984. I know all about that shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This this chick is like a CIA operative, obviously. She's got she's did a bunch of stuff in the Ukraine previously. It's nuts. She's like a uh, an aspiring Broadway singer. It's it's really bad. Virtue signaling out the ass is what I'm getting from that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, we had uh we had I did an episode of uh Big Dumb Inquiries, which I do from Kyle from the Big Dumb Podcast that you guys were yeah. a little bit earlier. And he fucking went off on this like five minute rant about virtue signaling because he did we don't know the questions that the other people are gonna bring before we start that show. And I played this ad, or it wasn't an ad, it was a news clip that was um basically this same, guy same, same thing, ad news clip. You know. it's honestly the same. <laughs> but uh it was this uh video of this guy who who owns a liquor store, right? And he has all these signs that say, do not buy the Russian products. And people are like buying them, dumping them in the street, all that kind of shit. And it's like, you fucking dumbasses, first of all, already bought the products. They're already in the U.S. So no matter what, like Russia already made their money off of them. Second of all, all of you are the people that are also wearing fucking masks. And then they're interviewing customers and they're like, yeah, I think it's such a good thing because the people in the Ukraine are good and the people in Russia are bad. Like you people are so fucking stupid. And fucking Kyle just goes off for like five minutes and he's like, I'm sorry, everybody. Like, no, bro, keep fucking doing it. Keep ranting, man. This is the type of shit people need to hear to realize how fucking dumb this shit is. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Uh, virtue signaling. I mean, I, I see that so much, like particularly with masks over the last two years. And then you, that transfers right into this whole Ukraine stuff. I'm probably repeating whatever Kyle said. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, oh, it's so true. Like, I don't know. There's There's a certain point, like... Or if you go to a restaurant during during the time that everyone was wearing masks and you would watch people walk in with a mask on, then sit down, take the mask off, then order their food from the from the from the waitress who's wearing a mask. And then the waitress walks away. They put the mask on. They stand up. They go to the bathroom. They come back. They sit down. They take the mask off. I mean, what are you doing but putting on a show? What are you doing but showing other people that you're conscious of this and you're thinking about it. And, you know, I, I even a couple of times heard people call other people out, Hey, your mask is below your nose all the time. That's bro. because they don't see that person as virtue signaling as well as them. And they want to maybe even draw more attention to how their mask is up over the nose. So they're going to point out that this other person's, you know, Hey, Hey, you could be doing a better job of showing people that you believe in this because obviously none of them do. I mean, they don't believe in it if they're taking the mask off at the table, if they're at a restaurant in the first place, period. Because if you're fucking scared of the air and you're afraid that it's going to make you sick and possibly die or that it's going to make you sick and you're possibly going to pass that on to your elderly parent or grandparent and that's going to make them die, then you need to like take this much more seriously than going out to eat and taking yeah. our mask on and off and get that, you know, or even in, in California, people were. We're doing the pull down, take a bite, put it back up. Like, Dude, I saw it. I saw it in Puerto Rico last week. I saw people doing it. I Don't you know people. you get a perimeter around you when you eat? Just from COVID, just so everybody knows, there's a magical force field that appears only when you're eating, so that you know yeah. you're safe. Yeah, I always uh, Charlie Robinson would always ask, like, do do midgets get an exemption from while they're walking to the ta- to the table at the restaurant because oh, they're at the, they're at the level that someone is sitting at. Yeah. But I have right. I have family members that if they were told that they needed to crawl would have done it. I I believe that. I think that everybody would have done that. Everybody 
that diligently wore a mask. Maybe a few would stand up at that point if they were told they needed to crawl. It was Maybe a so, few. It was so crazy. Like at one point, I, I remember asking uh, Deborah if her, if her husband, if he would have, if he would have adhered to, if Fauci had said something about, you know, a, a butt plug. What what's we need to we need? It's getting into the anal cavity. We need a butt plug. And she like laughed and was like, oh my gosh, Adam, that's such a wild question. And then like a week later, China was sticking Q-tips up our, our, uh, our, um, what are they called? Uh, our, the politicians butts and what's, what's the guys, the, uh, I want to say rectum, but I know that's not <laughs> yes, the rectum nearly <laughs> killed him, but, uh, the, um, the people that go to a, like on, on behalf of America live in like a different country um, for the government, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, like a diplomat? Yeah, the, di- ambassador. the Amer- That's it. American ambassadors were getting Q-tips stuck up their butt by the, by the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> well, do you guys remember like this? People did reject something that Fauci said at one point, but it was a silent rejection and he had to be paying attention to notice that he even said it in the first place. But do you guys remember there was a, a, a time and he did it I don't know, maybe like three days in a row, he told people that they should be wearing goggles. Do you, you guys remember that? Me? I didn't yeah. even catch that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he 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 was very insistent. It was uh, that if we're if we're, what we need to be doing is wearing the mask. I think it was I think before. It, I think it was before they ever said. Time. I think I, it was before double mask. Maybe around the time of double mask. Yeah. Or, uh, in that in that era, but it was gloves, mask, maybe double mask, and goggles if you're going to be totally sure that you're not able to get it or give it to anyone. And it was like, did I really hear him say that? I mean, like, ah, people aren't going to, everyone's going to get pissed and say no. Right. But they didn't get pissed, but he said it. I heard him like maybe three times. I don't know if it was three days in a row uh, or what, but it was, you know, a, a few times. And then it just never happened and nobody ever talked about it. It didn't really make that like, I don't know. Maybe it's that Rachel Maddow didn't give out the marching orders uh, in, as second command of, of, of whatever it is. I don't know, you know, or Don Lemon or, or those people. Like, I don't know. I, I had to assume at that time that people just rejected it. Like, yeah, dude, you're telling us to wear goggles when we go out. I mean, uh... I'm surprised you didn't say something about wearing like a, like a full body suit at that point. Cause no shit, dude. I saw people in Michigan wearing full body suits. And one of my favorite things to do now is that it's ironic that it's always the worst, shittiest fucking drivers, but they're always the same people that are wearing gloves and a mask in their car. Like, bro, you're the only fucking person in your car. You don't have any strangers in your car. It's you driving home from work. Like, why are you wearing a fucking mask and gloves? And even if you were wearing gloves, for example, say you touched something that was contaminated, theoretically. Like, you're contaminating the whole fucking inside of your car by touching your steering wheel, touching your radio. Like, you'd want to take the gloves off before you got in the car. Or if you're that crazy, change your gloves before you get in your car, you know? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I actually did see a full body suit about two weeks ago in the, in the college town <laughs> I live outside of. Really? Uh, and what was the context? The context was hilarious. I don't know. I almost <laughs> think it was performance art. It was... I mean, like I a Walter s- White like meth suit, meth cooking suit. Meth suit like- and, and gas mask, right? Like, Sitting the pink, on a- like the pink filter respirator? Uh, no, it was one with a, a canister in the front. Oh yeah. Oh, like a World right. War II one hood up I get this. He's in the medium in the middle of the road, sitting on a rock that he must've moved in there. And he's got boots that gloves, 
the whole so you can't see any of this person's body and he's flying a cardboard sign that says covid free please help <laughs> and it's like a spot where, where cars where cars are stopping you know it's like at a at a light he's in the middle it's like uh you know two lanes on one side two lanes on the other side with some trees down the middle or something and, he had this rock that he's sitting on there and he's just, just doing that. I mean, I couldn't see his facial expression. I, I felt like this guy has to think this is hilarious. Yeah. It's gotta uh, be a troll dude. And especially now, like I might've taken this more seriously uh, like two years ago, but now, I mean, like now that it's all died down like this, I, you know, I don't know. I, I felt like it had to be performance art. Maybe he was trying to adhere to the people that would give him money because he knows that those would be the virtue signaling people. So maybe well, he was being smart in the aspect that he was like, all right, the only people that are going to want to give me money are the people that are going to want to record themselves giving me money so that they can post it on Facebook and feel good about themselves. And those are the same people that are yelling at people for wearing masks. So if I let them know that I'm, I'm COVID free, quote unquote, then maybe they'll give me money. <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. it probably worked for all, him. That or he was doing the, the primetime Stein, one of the two. Yeah. Could all, be. The, all the bums in Portland are wearing masks um, when they're, when they're spanging are they yeah oh, shit and i th- i ask i mean it's obviously because they're dumb people like, for the most like part. now pro- like last time they you may were be really them. smart they may be again just oh, yeah. trying to you know and yeah but then the em- emily's that, uh, like emily's told me she's like yeah i think it's because they think people that people will give them money if they're like look like they're adhering to it but i think it's because they're also su- super stupid people i mean homeless you know yeah, but some of those people are the conspiracy theorists too that we're looking at them like they're crazy but you know well we, we aren't necessarily always looking at them crazy but they're the ones that are always yelling about like oh the end of the world this conspiracy 9 11's fake <laughs> like they're, they're probably playing that shit there's probably half and half half are the dumb ones the other half are the smart ones that are taking advantage of the situation because they know that those people would be the ones that are giving them money would be the same people that are wearing the fucking masks in order to feel good about themselves because they got nothing else going on in their life <laughs> way up here where i'm at I would say this whole time at best, it's been 50, 50 with the homeless population. Um, the ones that are flying signs typically are wearing a mask, but the ones that are sitting on a, uh, up against a building, not flying a sign, but just like drinking or smoking or doing whatever they're doing. I like, none of them have been wearing masks like this whole time. Even we, we had like this big, uh, uh, I don't know what to call it. I, I talked about it with you and, and, Travis Mateer at one point. Yeah, the importation of the the bums. Yeah, the bums all went to City Hall. It, it was actually orchestrated by Antifa that they moved all the bums. They got all the bums to camp out on City Hall's property. They destroyed. But the they were all lawn. they were all like imported though, right? Uh, possibly. I I would say the Antifa was definitely not from around here. Um, the bums. I think there were more of them. Than I would have seen. It's hard to gauge because it's so normally they're so dispersed. They're not all in one area. It got to where you don't, you know, you weren't seeing homeless people anywhere, but they were, I mean, it was just packed onto this lawn of city hall and the library that's across the street from there. Uh, and I don't think there were any masks anywhere in that, even when Antifa who are all wearing masks, possibly for other reasons besides COVID or maybe all this COVID stuff was just, uh, just a, godsend to them that like oh hey now everyone's wearing masks like us but uh yeah the homeless people in that situation were they weren't masking up which i thought was kind of great because it showed this juxtaposition of the antifa mask nazis i i have to assume um when they're not busy being pissed off about homeless people 
Um, but yeah, to see them, see them working so hard to help these people, which they were not helping them at all. Uh, they were just, I, I, in my opinion, they were just disrupting their lives, getting them to, to shut down their little camps that they had all over the place and get them to move them to a different spot, which then caused police intervention, which got pretty intense for a little while. We had Antifa, Antifa type people holding up uh, two by fours like long two by fours and rows pushing police officers back while police officers were trying to clean up this mess and all this kind of stuff. It, it, it got a little bit intense with all of that, but uh, there's been a little bit of me that all the way through this, I've been kind of doing kudos to the, to the homeless people who seem to not function in the same reality as all these COVID mongers. That's because they just got to, they're, they're running off prime survival at that point. They don't have the time to try to deal with all this bullshit and watch the media and do all that. They're just trying to live their fucking life. Like they're like, shit, if I get COVID, I get COVID, you know, like, and it was a question I was asking a lot about two years ago. It's so crazy that I keep saying two years ago now. And I mean, a little ways into this, you know, like, and not even a little ways two years ago, like we were feeling like, holy shit, this has been going on forever. Can you believe that? Like that. March, remember, April, was, May, three months in, we were going, this can't last much longer, guys. It was, and then it was 18 months for a long time. Everybody's just saying, eight, what, this has been going 18 months, and now we're, go, we're saying that two years now. Two, two years. It's been, uh, it's been two years and three months since, since like the hammer came down. And, uh, uh, but yeah, three years, or I mean, two years ago, I was, I was saying to a lot of people, I was going, really, you think this is so bad? What, how many homeless people have been dying? And they'd be... Uh, I don't know. I have to assume it's a lot. And I'm going, well, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm not hearing about homeless deaths. I'm not seeing homeless deaths. Like I'm not seeing, you know, paramedics on the street helping more homeless people or, or, or any, you know, you'd think there'd be at least some of that going on because those people are a not wearing masks and B I have to assume their, their immune systems are compromised because they live outside and all of that kind of shit like yeah, that. They're, it all should be, on, they're on drugs. It should, uh, we should, we should be seeing a, a massive incline of death in homeless populations. And I never saw it. Yeah. Same with like, like Western Africa, you know, Mm -hmm. the other problem too, with COVID too, is that a lot of, uh, like the, I feel like the case numbers weren't nearly as high, no matter what way you look at it, because at least in Michigan, I'm sure it's across the country, hospitals were receiving extra money for taking in COVID patients. So even if somebody came in for a car accident, they go COVID. So it was falling into an issue where if somebody died during like a car accident and they were trying to, you know, uh, collect insurance money and stuff on these people, they were looking at their death certificates and they were saying that they died from COVID and then they're having issues with being able to like collect money for funeral costs and all that kind of shit. So like the numbers in the U.S. were easily jacked up to the point where people can't even deny it. But, you know, all these mask wearing, you know, ones that are falling for the system, they still don't want to deny they want still want to deny that shit, even though it's it's common knowledge now that doctors or hospitals were receiving more money for saying people had COVID, no matter what way you look at it. Well, they've been being lied to for over two years to the point where it's, it's, it's that classic thing of it. It's, it's easier to, uh, let's see, what's the, what, what is it? Um, it's easier to somebody that um, it's easier to fool somebody than to convince them that they've been fooled, that, that they've been fooled. Yeah, exactly. They've been fooled for so long it would hurt them. It would hurt their egos. It would hurt the collective ego of all of them to admit that this was all the flu at, at best. And there's, and there's so much politics wrapped up in it that like, you can't, 
you can't admit to one thing being off. Otherwise everything else crumbles. And that's, yeah. that's how they've been doing it. You know, and that's Absolutely. why it's so politicized in one side and the other side, you know, that's why they try to hide shit as soon as it starts hitting the fan too. Like you're talking about with the goggles thing. Like there's a reason why not a lot of people have heard about that. Cause if something doesn't fall into the narrative, they try to push it out and pretend like it doesn't exist as fast as possible. Cause as soon as you have one piece, that's not right for the general public, they're all going to start realizing shit ain't right. And yeah. I feel like at this point, if you haven't realized that shit ain't right, like there's no saving you at this point. Like, I don't know how else you could possibly get red pilled other than like society doing it for you because they try to push this agenda so far into overdrive that like even people that were never, never catching on to these types of concepts in the past are still questioning this shit. And then you got people, unfortunately, like, like my dad, that there's like no saving them because like, I didn't even go to his house for two years for Christmas and shit because he insisted that I wear a mask in his house. Like, bro, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I don't even wear a mask at work and they tell me I have to. I put it in my pocket. I figure out the ways around the rules. Like, I'm not going to wear a fucking mask to come over your house for Christmas. Like, and what am I going to do? I'm going to sit down and eat dinner with you and take my mask off and then put it back on. Like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen my parents in a long time or, or my, my sister. I think, I don't think my sister would want me to wear a mask, but like, my parents are old. They live in like a retirement community. You know, if I ever, I, you know, I don't really want to go see them anymore, but if I, I, I probably should, but if I ever do, I'm going to have to have like a serious talk, like be like, listen, mom, I don't. And I encourage everyone to be upfront with people. If they're like worried about it, I know people that have been like, what should I do? If you don't want to do some, I mean, you can always say no. So have an honest conversation with these people. Just be like, Hey, just so you know, I don't do any COVID bullshit. I don't wear a mask. I'm not vaccinated. I'm not going to take a test. And if we go out, I don't want to go to a, a restaurant that makes me, that makes me sit outside because I'm not vaccinated. I don't want to give those people money. That's my personal rules. And I'll say, I hope that, that that works out for you. If not, I understand. And, and we'll see each other at a different time, but but for now, that's that's my rules. And I think that that would uh, that would solve a lot of mix up and issues for people with families that are not seeing eye to eye on um, all this bullshit. So what do you guys think about that? I definitely agree with that. Honestly, I, that's kind of the thing I laid out with my dad, too, was that like I, I'm not going to wear a mask. So either you have a choice that, you know, I come over your house and I don't wear a mask or we don't get together. And he chose the latter. So that's that's what it was. And I mean, yeah. shit, I even got in trouble at my work, not to jump topics, because I would definitely want to hear Chud's, Chud's explanation for on that too. But uh, like at my work, um, I ended up getting in trouble at my work because there was like this big meeting in the office and they're like, everybody come up. And this is when COVID first started. And uh, I walk up and of course, I'm not wearing a mask it's in my back pocket. And uh, they go, why aren't you wearing your mask? And oh, I walk into the back and we have bottles of spray alcohol. So I grab a bottle and I walk out into the office and I go, tss, tss, and show that it goes through the mask. And I'm like, why the fuck do I have to wear this? So the manager pulls me in the office and he's like, oh, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. But it's a it's a placebo thing. It makes everybody feel better. I'm like, I don't give a fuck if it makes other people feel better. It doesn't make me feel better. So why is my opinion matter less than their opinion? Like if they got a problem with it, I'll stay in the back of the fucking room. Like that's just how it's going to be, man. Sorry. (laughs) I I think that's worse. I think that's worse when it's when when someone's saying, no, 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 I get it. It doesn't work. But we need to do this to make other people feel good. Yeah, that's the, the, the feel good. The Joe Rogan explanation. It's uh, is that what Joe says? Yeah. Um, he said he said at the start of this thing, we were all so scared that we were going to die. If if you didn't wear a mask into a restaurant, you were an asshole. That was it's, Joe Rogan. Um, 
the the recent the, like recently within the last i barely listen to joe rogan anymore i listen if like tim dylan's on or like a guest that likes on but i feel like a lot of us kind of strayed away from joe rogan because after the whole like freedom of speech thing he's definitely like uh calmed himself down i guess like he doesn't push the boundaries as much as he used to and it's kind of hard to like see him becoming like almost like a docile animal for the system in a sense that he like feels like he can't do anything anymore and he's not willing to push the limits anymore you know or they'll let him have on these like people like peter mccullough or dr robert malone who's an obvious cia asset and um you know kind of be like oh look he's not he's not adhering to the to the popular opinion of the mainstream media but he's still having these guys i mean the peter mccullough I, I i think peter mccullough is the real deal but um Robert Malone's obviously just waiting to unleash his vaccine upon the world. And, yeah, um, this has been incremental with Joe Rogan for years, though. I mean, the guy used to to uh, not believe it. He was a moon landing denier yeah, for a long nobody, time. Nobody, one goes, of the best. Nobody goes. Yeah, he knows so much about it, and yeah. he'll still. Um, but yeah, nobody goes where we we are and goes back except for him. Ignorance is bliss. That's what it is, man. And I feel like at that point he's just faking it because he's just trying to have as many. I don't want to. I don't want to call anybody out like that, but like there's a certain point where it kind of makes it obvious that you're doing what you're doing because you're more worried about having a bunch of listeners and making money off your show. And I kind of feel like Joe Rogan's kind of gotten to that point, and that's why well, a lot he of probably. I mean, he doesn't listen to him anymore. You know? Do you think that? He, I mean, a lot of people think that he got talked to. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like after that has, whole thing, he constantly has Mike Baker on, who's an ex. CIA agent. There's but hasn't like, he always had that guy on? Like yeah. not always, always, but at least a long time. Like I don't know when pre-COVID I mean, I, times. I started he still listening in 2015, <laughs> and he was you know on pretty early on when I was like, oh, this guy sure knows what he's talking about. And then, um I mean, this might be a reach, but like a lot of people think that that guy's his his fucking handler. Could be. I don't know. He shit. has a lot of ex agents and stuff on his show. Like it, it's like a regular thing, and it's like there's only so many ex-CIA agents or ex-FBI whatever that you have on before it almost becomes like like how do you have all these connections are you like it, it's he's just trying to manipulate people in a sense you know like that's what I, how I kind of see it is like there's no reason why there would be so many people that are ex-military personnel that are willing to talk on a show against shit unless you have some kind of ulterior motive to do so yeah and like there's no unless you've been to prison you're not an ex-cia agent like john kiriaku that guy's an ex-cia agent like i went to that guy went to prison for blowing the whistle but all these other people like you think george herbert walker bush was an ex-cia agent or was that guy in the cia his whole life i gotta get oh, your guys opinion on this one thing too so i've been preaching this on my show and i'm very adamant about it and people have said oh but this but that and i'm like no dude this this is a stand you have to make facts fake vaccination cards i'm 100 percent fucking against the whole idea i get people trying to make money but here's the thing you get those cards and you're just playing into the system even if you don't have a vaccine it looks like you have it so you're fucking it up for the rest of us so 100%. i'm 100 against that shit yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you hundred percent there. That actually ties into, I was going to say of the, of the wearing a mask just to make other people happy, kind of a concept. It's the same thing uh, that you're, you're from my, from my perspective of it, if you're wearing a mask or if you're holding up a fake vaccine card, you're feeding the neuroses of the, the insane people around you. Exactly. That's they're insane. The, the, the example that I always use, I don't know if it's that good, but I tend to fall back on it is if, if, uh, if you know someone has a phobia of styrofoam, do you live a life for them 
removing styrofoam to make it so that they can live a comfortable life where they never deal with styrofoam? Or do we face the fact that you have a mental problem and, and there's styrofoam everywhere and we have to, we have to work with that. We have to deal with that. Um, if we, if someone has a mental def- as I see it, a mental defect where they think the air is poison and everyone around them says, oh, okay, hey, we all know that the air is not poison, but we're all going to put these masks on to make Johnny over here feel like he's not the only one who's afraid of the air. We're doing nothing good for Johnny. No. We're doing nothing good for that person. And it's the same thing with the vaccine cards, just on a, on a, on a macro scale of that. We're feeding into a system that's feeding that John, a, a, a whole bunch of those Johnnies just to, I don't know. I, I, I won't support a business that wants to see that. And if I do feel that I have to support that business, like if I feel that I have to go there, uh, I'm not going to play there. I, I will, I will go and be removed from there for not having, or, or told that I can't enter. I'll say, Hey, I did my best, but I, I didn't get in or whatever. I'm not, um, but that's not even going to happen. I'm just not going to, support anybody who wants to see that shit dude actually another real life uh way of describing that dude i uh, had to take my daughter to the dentist for the first time and of course they have the wear your mask wear your mask shit all over the fucking place you know the whole fucking waiting room's wearing masks there's me and my family and you know they kind of gotten into my method of thinking so none of us are wearing masks so we go up to the counter and they're like you have to be wearing masks and i'm like no and they, they literally didn't know what to say. They didn't kick me out. They didn't do shit. They just literally were like, they didn't know what to do at that point. They're like, can I at least take your temperature? I'm like, no. So my, my girlfriend let him take her temperature. Uh, they took my daughter's temperature for some fucking reason, just because they did it right after her, which I was just kind of, I was making my point, but like, I get it. Like whatever, as far as that goes, it's not like anything that's evasive. You're not putting anything on your body, like whatever the fuck. But uh, they went to go do mine and I'm just like, no. And I like stood back a little bit. They're like, Could, please. And I'm like, no. And they were just kind of like, okay. And I just sat down in the waiting room <laughs> and nobody said shit to me. Everybody's looking at me because I'm not wearing a mask and I'm in a dentist's office. And I'm like, okay, so I'm thinking in my head, you're, you're going to the dentist. So you have to wear a mask. What, what, what do you need to get to at the dentist? As soon as you sit down in that chair, you're taking the mask off. So like what fucking difference does that make? Especially in that situation. That just shows how fucking dumb that shit is, is that you're right in somebody's face in their mouth but you're making people wear masks to go back there. Like what, what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's uh that's insanity. The, the, what you're saying there, that's uh, uh, our good friend, uh, moral Bob said on, on feed the beauty the other day, it's the power of no. Yep. It's amazing. It's amazing. Just say, how just far say no more kids yeah. in the eighties, Chud. Just say yeah. no. <laughs> it stops people in their tracks. They don't know what to do after that. Like they're expecting yeah. people to be like, yeah, okay, no problem. No problem. But somebody says no, it's just like, they're like, Oh, what do I do now? Like, I, I, I can't like, <laughs> I can't really yeah. do anything at this point. Like everybody yeah. thinks they have so much power, but as soon as you say no to somebody, it's like, you just instantly stop them. They don't, they don't know what to do at that point. Yeah. Um, I was just on vacation in Puerto Rico and it is insane there. I mean, Portland, Oregon's bad. And I've said this on my show a bunch, Portland, Oregon makes Puerto Rico look like rural Florida. Like, <laughs> um it's amongst puerto rican people it's it's damn near 100 percent compliance 100 percent of the time unless they're at the beach which for some reason they don't wear it there but they wear it everywhere else outside and then the majority of restaurants we went to would you would walk up and the they would 
they would have a spray bottle with rubbing alcohol in it and they'd say, okay, put your hands out. And my wife and I would just be like, Oh no, thank you. And you could tell that we were the first people to ever say no. Um, and they didn't, yeah, like you said, they didn't know what to do with it. Like uh, it was the first place that I was ever, I've navigated this thing pretty well. It's the first place that I have ever been that asked me for, um, vaccination status we went to the hotel that we we're staying at in san juan in like the big city and uh the the girl at the, the concierge desk is like okay so what um i'll need to see your guys vaccination cards and uh the person i was with kind of freaked out and was like oh well we're both both vaccinated but we don't have our cards and she's like okay well you can just show me a picture of them and i was like i was upset about that they said that I don't want people to think I'm vaccinated. I look down on, on people like that, you know? And yeah. so I go, I go, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I'm not vaccinated. So like, what, what does that mean? Does that mean I can't stay here? Cause it didn't say anything on your website. We were booking the room and she goes, Oh no, 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 no. They'll probably just take your temperature or something when you, when you come back to get, cause we were just there like leaving our luggage and we we're going to go walk around the city. And she's like, they'll probably just take your, your temperature when you, when you come back. And I was like, Oh, Okay. And it's like, they think that, that, and it's true. It's probably true, but they thought that because we're gringos, they thought that we want, they think that white people want to hear them asking people that to make them feel safer. And it's true. They probably do. You know, most people probably want to be asked that so that they know that other people are being asked that. But then when it comes down to it, when you just say no, nothing happens. There's yeah, no, that's that's there's why no. that power of no works is because yeah. it, it all ties into that same thing of that we're we're feeding the neuroses of the of the insane people around us because a lot of those people who are asking for the vaccine passport or to wear a mask or whatever they don't want to do that they don't they don't they don't buy into this shit as much as the other people but they they know that people want to hear that they know, they believe, or they they don't know. They believe that people don't want to go to a bar that's not asking for vaccine passports, right? So, so the bar says, "Well, we better. Well, we used to check for IDs, but now we'll check for you know. While we're checking for IDs, we'll check for vaccine passports as well." And and they tell the bouncer guy, "Yeah, check for all these things." And the bouncer might ask, uh, well, what do I do if they have their ID, but they don't have the vaccine passport? The answer would probably be, well, just don't draw attention to it and let them in. But it's going to make everybody who gives a shit about this feel really good because uh, everybody's, you know, doing what I'm doing. They're all, we're all jabbed. We're all, we're all triple jabbed and, and we're all, we're all wearing our masks. So we're, we're cool. I feel safe. I feel like I'm in a good place, but half the people there are wearing fake masks, we'll say, you know, like those see-through ones that don't, that don't do anything. And they know it doesn't do anything because they don't believe in this and they don't have a vaccine and they, they all got in there anyway, or, or they're using fake vax passports, getting in there, wearing the fake mask. And, you know, yeah, it's, hey, it'd be like, Hey, Chud, Chud X, you want to, uh, you want to meet up and head on down to the, to the end zone for a couple pitchers to watch the big game. I heard they're checking vax cards down there oh really they are yeah, yeah and if and if cool. they're then not I we, feel can, safe. We, can, we can head back across town and go to players players sports pub <laughs> yeah 
See, that's the other thing people don't consider too, is that like, if you just say no, these small businesses aren't going to say no to you because they're suffering so bad from this COVID shit that they're trying to do it in order to keep their business open. I'm sure like I, I get that kind of a standpoint, but like they're not going to deny people because then they're just losing out on more money they need to be making, especially during these times when, you know, their fucking business, somebody got shut down for a fucking year, like minimum, you know, <laughs> I, I would, uh, I would wonder there might be a few cause they're crazy people. But I bet you just about every mom, pa, small business that exists in the United States or probably anywhere else as well, that's been struggling for these last two years, they've never wanted to make sure people were wearing masks. They've never wanted to check vaccine status. They've never wanted anything to do with any of it. They may have, they might not express themselves that way because they're busy trying to be compliant and they're trying to make sure that they don't get shut down by the, by the big bad government that's sitting right over here. But like in reality, the, I bet it would hurt them. I bet it hurts them inside to see a customer be turned away for refuse. If I came up to the place and, and they say, no, we're not letting you in because you're not putting on the mask. If that owner is standing there and watching it, it's, it's tearing them apart because they're going, fuck, I need every customer I can get in here. I, I can't believe that I'm losing this business over over me, over me, the owner telling my employee that they can't let that, that guy in just because he's not wearing the same religious garb as everybody else. Yeah. I got this really fun story too, that, uh, he's somebody that one of my buddies follows on Instagram, but he was a gym owner during all this kind of shit going down. Oh, the Attilus, Attilus gym guy. Is that, is that the guy who started doing it where he let everybody in the gym for free and he would say just to donate to like his GoFundMe so that yeah, he got the actually, big beard in New Jersey? I believe that was him. Yeah, where he was yeah. pretty much played it off where it's like, hey, this isn't a business. This is just a gym. People can come and go as they want, but then they can donate to my GoFundMe. And that's how he was making his money still because he refused to shut down during everything. Yeah, that guy's oh, a badass. That's beautiful. He, uh, yeah, he, he was on the Ripple Effect podcast. I got to get that guy on my show, dude. That guy's a fucking G. Talk about yeah. making a stand right there. That's manipulating the system at its finest, bro. <laughs> I, went, I went to a, uh, I was going to a, a jujitsu gym in, in Portland and um, they shut down. They stayed open as long as they could. They shut down, you know, and I, you know, I understand why they did. They're scared to get, get all these crazy fines that they're being threatened with. Um, and then they reopened. Um somebody from the gym narked them out that they weren't like taking COVID protocols seriously. And then, so they, uh, they instituted a mask mandate while you're supposed to wear a mask while rolling jujitsu. And I'm like, I, I can't do it. Told the owner, I was like, sorry, dude, I gotta go. I'm not, I can't wear a mask and do jujitsu. How do you keep do the it. mask on while you're rolling around on the mat? I, you know, it's stupid. <laughs> and then, so I went to another gym. I went to American top team across town and, uh, they never shut down. OSHA came. They said, fuck off and locked the door. They never shut down, never had any mask bullshit, the whole, the whole deal. Dude, there was a Oregon. diner right around the corner for me that did some shit like that. Like right at the beginning of COVID, he was like, a, he, he was one of those guys that it's like a very, very local business. Like everybody around the area knows him. And uh, he relies on his business in order to like, you know, keep himself afloat. So he refused to shut down. And he refused to make people wear masks because he said, these are like all local people. These are our normals. Like these are all friends and family and shit like that. And pretty much every single time somebody tried to come and shut him down, he just locked the doors and everybody, he'd be like, Hey, everybody, the doors are locked and they go, okay. And then they just keep eating. <laughs> yeah. There's uh there's, there's ways around it too. If you were like operating your own business by yourself, you didn't have to, 
I know guys that own coffee shops in Portland that did that too. Fucking smart. Again, manipulating yeah. the system. You got to use their words against them and you got to use their rules against them to just to play the fucking game. <laughs> yeah. Cause he wasn't, he wasn't an employee, you know, he's the owner. So. Hell yeah. So jumping topics a little bit, uh, just because I haven't gotten too much into it. I want to know what your guys' knowledge is as far as uh, Tartaria. Oh, I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's the like more, it's all been covered up, and I don't know anything. If you would have, <laughs> if you would have asked me six months ago about this, I would have had a better, more concise, clear um, explanation. So, I, I, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know know anything about it. Um, my kind of not expertise, but what I kind of know the most about, what was my good jumping in point, was uh, the World's Fair expositions. Um, just because I could look at it through the lenses of construction, something that like, you know, like um, building construction, something that I understand because I did it for so long. Um, what do you feel, Chud? Well, what, what was your, what was your first toe in besides like when you, you always talk about how you started here, you heard red bricks and melted buildings and all that. What buildings. was the first thing when you heard about it clicked in your head? Well, the it's it's easier for me to say what didn't click which is that um you know i i always say i i i believed in an ancient civilization of some type that we that's been hidden from us and in my mind that was always ancient like real ancient like like older than egypt like i used to and i still i don't know i don't know what i think exactly but I, I spent about 10 years of my life believing that the pyramids were older than we're told and that there was a, a advanced civilization that existed 10,000 years ago minimum, but possibly more like 100,000 years ago or some like un, unfathomable amount of time ago. And then when the concept of Tartaria came to me, I really had a hard time swallowing this idea of the same concept, but zoomed not into 10,000 years, not into 6,000 years ago, not into 1,000 years ago, but 200 years ago. 170 like, years ago. Like, like 200 years ago, there, there was a civilization right here that I cannot fathom, that I cannot see or take in. But then very quickly within viewing the world through the lens that that was a possibility, it all started to unravel that I started seeing holes in our history that just weren't adding up to me anymore. And a lot of it had to do with architecture, had to do with buildings being built in the 19th century that are more advanced than they are, than, than we can build today. And this was being done not only by horse and buggy, but also being done in an incredibly short period of time. The timelines like, don't line up one bit from what we're being told. We're being told that there's massive 700 acre, um, you know, little cities built for the Chicago World's Fair that were built from 1891 to 1893. And when, you know, huge uh, building firms are, are asked about it today, confirmed that it would take over two years to draw the blueprints for the for a project like that and with unlimited manpower and today's technology would take 
15 to 20 years. Yeah. And that's uh, like, if you look at like the Chicago exposition, uh, the, the Columbia exposition as it was called from 1893, um, uh, UCLA fairly recently released a, uh, a simulated um, video of that entire layout as it would have been uh, like a computer graphic layout. Like, like it could be interactive, but it's just a video. I'm sure there's people at UCLA who could interact with this, like a video game and go through and look at all the buildings and stuff like that. And that took something like 17 years for them to build that, build that simulation, simulation. <laughs> to, to put it onto a computer. So do you guys think it's a false flag possibly? Cause I've been hearing that a lot around the community is that they're trying to throw that one out. So that even conspiracy theorists are following that whole thing. And there's other shit going on. It's that, you know, the magician's trick. I think it's more that we're over the target. So that's, what that's what they're saying. Uh, Bloomberg's coming out with articles like uh, that are the title of the article is Tartaria, a dive into the QAnon of architecture shit like that. So, and then we got this guy who read, um, the uh, lost history of flat earth. He's coming out now and putting out a new film um, saying that everything that he thought was wrong, that his two previous films were both bullshit. Um, you know, I think as soon as people start looking into things like this and getting over the target that it's their play to come in and discredit it in any way possible. So that's my opinion. And that could just be my bias because I'm so fascinated with this, but that's how I feel. I mean, honestly, that could be what it is. It's just like a matter of just, again, you miss, it's like missing the target. Like you went past it. So now they're just kind of discrediting it. That's kind of where I feel for like, like, I don't know if we're on a globe. I don't know if we're on a flat earth. And people ask me that question. I just say hollow earth. And they're like, oh, that's interchangeable for both. And I go, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. uh, like, there's just so much weirdness with it that, I don't know, they start, they start just making it. So it's just like a thing that people within the community argue about. It's just another reason to like polarize people. And there may be a, a lot of truth to it, but uh, they've used it to a point where now even just going back to like the flat earth and the globe community thing, like everybody's inner community arguing when we all kind of had the same idea that, you know, everything isn't quite as we expect it to be, but they try to get so caught up on these things that we start missing other shit that's actually going on because everybody's too busy, like focusing on one thing, you know? Yeah. If anybody's arguing about any of this, whether it be uh, either of those two subjects, uh, earth shape or, uh, um, false history turn around don't don't argue like that arguing is is not expanding our minds uh looking into these things expands our minds i believe that very much so but sitting and arguing about it it's just it's not productive and it's that is where it could be a false flag of sorts i, I don't know if that's the term i want to use but that's where it could become a distraction uh where we're gonna miss important things um I, uh, I don't take a, a, a hard stance on, on earth shape. I'm, I'm earth shape agnostic to some degree or another. Uh, but I, I, I consider myself to be a flat earth enthusiast. That's the, that's my, my newest term for it. Cause I love it. It's one of my favorite subjects. I can talk about it and dive in on it all day, but within that, and I love my flat earther friends, I can't stand them, um, fighting with other people and yelling at other people, especially if that person is say an alien guy, if it's a flat earther and an alien uh, believer that are fighting, which I don't believe in aliens really. 
I mean, I think they're real. They're just, uh, they're just really fake and gay. No. <laughs> oh, so gay. They're the gayest thing in the whole galaxy. Like for sure. You got to look uh, at the ground though. If you want to be visited at nighttime, take a bunch of Viagra, fall asleep with a boner <laughs> and you're, you're, you're uh, something's going to have probability of an abduction and a probing go through the roof. I guarantee it. I feel I mean, like aliens, aliens are 99% male and that not, like 99.99% of those aliens are homosexual with a small subsect of uh, bisexuals. <laughs> Dude, I, I keep right, thinking clear on that. too, as far as like flat earthers and globers, you got to look in the middle. Everybody admits that Antarctica is weird and there's some shit going on with Antarctica. So instead of fighting about the shape of the earth, Everybody should start focusing on what the fuck's going on with Antarctica. So, so that's it. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at with the aliens and flat earthers. We got these two people on two sides and you can listen to some of them fight. And, and I don't mean healthy debate. I am all for debate. I'm not saying that we all need to agree all the time or anything like that. Like having back and forth. Great. But when, when, when the two are, are straight up fighting about it, I want to come in there and go, Hey guys, what do we all think of NASA? Because both sides of this, know that they don't they don't think they know that nasa are liars so let's talk about nasa and how nasa's lying not what i know is right and you know is wrong or vice versa and um like with with any of these subjects it's um i don't know it's kind of it's it's similar I, I haven't heard this fight i i still sit on this weird fence of that like i don't know i just put i put in so much time um contemplating and learning about thinking about ancient history in an ancient sense and it would be it would feel really wasteful of me to throw out all that time that i spent learning about the pyramids and things like that to go now nah, you know what i i read some anatoly Fomenko and i realized that the pyramids were actually built 300 years ago and <laughs> all that shit's just a waste of time to even i can't believe anyone would want to go to a museum in cairo you know <laughs> It's uh, all, all that it's it's the same thing, both both whether whether you believe that the, there was an ancient civilization um, 10,000 years ago uh, that was different than what the the archaeologists and academics are telling us. Or if you think that it was something much more recently, like you, in both cases, you're saying, hey, schools are lying They're 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 teaching kids the wrong thing. They're going, kids are growing up and they're going to college and they're having that driven in in such a way that now a, a mainstream thinker thinks that you're crazy, whether you say you think that uh, the Sphinx is older than the Great Pyramid or whether you say, and, and maybe there's different levels to this, by the way, a normie you would think of it, whether you say that or whether you say, I think it's possible that all of our history was taught to people during the World's Fairs of the 19th century. It's the same. It's the same concept of that. You know that this is a bunch of lies, and you know as far as as far as the the Tartaria, the as as me and Adam talked about on our last episode with uh, Manuel Kingman. Great episode! Um, I just put it out today. Oh, that's great! That's great. Um, we we talk about the word Tartaria. Uh, I don't know where Adam's really sitting on this, but I expressed that. Um, while I picked up the word Tartaria and really used it and maybe even overused it for the last two years, 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and disassociate myself from overusing that word. I still, I want to use it as an umbrella term, but really what I'm talking about is old world. I'm talking about the old world. And I know that there is some deceit as far as the old world goes. There's something more false history, false history. It's, it's where it didn't go down the way we've been told. Uh, the timelines are not correct and things didn't happen the way they, that we've been told they did. And I think that the best way for someone to really start to wrap their head around this, if it's, if this is a totally new concept is like Adam was saying, um, look at the world's fairs. When you start looking at the world's fairs, the way they were built, the timeline, they were built the way they were tore down the timeline in which they were tore down. That's all interesting. But then there's this, this, this really blew my mind when it, when it, when it sunk into me, which is this idea that in the late 19th century and early 20th century, people, millions of people attended these world's fairs where they recreated for all intents and purposes. I'm going to say they recreated world history in a live action play that was available for people to watch. People could watch slaves build the pyramids. They could watch uh, uh, South American cannibals uh, kill dogs and eat them. They could, they, they would watch all these, these events and they would learn about these events, which are now considered facts, right? Learn about all this stuff. And then they all went home. And who did those people become? But our teachers our early 20th century teachers who then went into a classroom as a new teacher and they got a book and that book was sent to them by none other than the Rockefellers. (laughs) And in that book had all the stories of how the pyramids were built, for instance, and there it is. And it says it was built by slaves and they go in their head. They're going, I don't, I'm, I'm going to be the best teacher anyone's ever had because I've actually seen this shit. I was, I was basically there. It's the equivalent. Those things back then would be the equivalent of someone who saw some really, really kick-ass movies that showed world history events, but most people didn't see those movies. You know, like you're the only one in your town that went and saw, I don't know, a star Wars level. Yeah. Went and saw Tron or, or whatever. (laughs) And, and, and you, and then you go to tell other people about it and you have this strong visual image and you feel connected to the story and you're, you have this passion about it. And that's what happened in this country in the early 20th century and late 19th century that I'm certain happened. Now those, all those events they learned about could have been true. I'm, I'm pretty open-minded. I have a hard time believing that these days, but if they were true, then they were great teachers that taught people the real true history of the world. But if they had been deceived, they did exactly the same thing with false information that they wouldn't have ever known was false. And that's how we could get to this point. And honestly, it's like a, it's like a belief system too, where somebody's taught something and it becomes so they, they believe it so much in their mind that no matter what somebody else says, they're never going to start not believing it anymore. You know, it's like that whole Russian propaganda thing that you eventually lie to somebody for so long that you start telling them the truth at a certain point and they don't believe the truth anymore because they've been lied to for so long that they start accepting those lies as truth. Mm-hmm. Well, no you look with- at it like before we even start talking about all this crazy shit, look what run of the mill 
old school Egyptologists had done to people like Von Donakin and Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock and like that. They, they need to discredit these people, keep them out of their world for fear of their beliefs being shattered for one. And then their, their meal ticket going away. Like these people getting onto something that's different from the status quo threatens their their livelihood and that's on a small scale there from people's base needs when you get onto like a huge higher level and what would happen if even a little bit of this was uncovered and proven to be how it really was it the chain reaction is incredible there's a lot of people just trying to protect their legacy too. That's the other thing is that if these researchers have spent their entire life saying that this is how it is, and then somebody comes around and discredits it, then it's almost like their name gets pushed out of history. So like a lot of these people are so determined to just stay within their lie because they don't want their name to not be part of history and attached to history that they'll, you know, make another generation believe their bullshit in order to just keep their name around. So it doesn't even just go into like necessarily a big government conspiracy, but it's just a conspiracy within just somebody trying to keep their legacy alive too. Yeah. Yeah. A conspiracy of ego. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, it's, uh, it... If anybody wants to like really dip their toe in, um, what did it for me was um, Howdy Mikowski on Crow triple seven and um howdy mikowski on freeman fly i later on got and and, and howdy mikowski on deborah gets red pilled yeah we that's, got that's a pretty good him, one and it was a <laughs> amazing episode it was a it's a tearjerker my it made multiple people i know start crying within the first 15 minutes it's a powerful powerful episode and then um once you get done that um, listen to our, our episodes with uh, our friend Casey from Golden Gate Starfort Command. Go find um, Matt Terrellon on the Great Deception podcast. He's, you know, the best researcher I know on the topic. And uh, go deep. It's so much fun. Even if it's, it's a subject, it just keeps unfolding. Like you brought up Casey, uh, Starforts are a big part of this. Uh, there are Starforts all over the country, all over the world. I just got uh, to go to one in Puerto Rico. Where yeah, Adam just visited one. That was that that's so amazing that you got to, you know, you got to touch that thing. Did you yeah. feel anything? I don't think I've ever asked you, did you feel anything there energy wise, like, you know, woo woo wise or anything like that? That's what I was about to ask. That's some type Remember, of like, oh, if you presence. go back and you listen to uh, Heidi Mikowski on my show, listen to him talk about when he went to Stonehenge and how yeah. it felt as though it was a dead site. Dead. And he'd been there and, um, he later had some some uh, some success there when he did the opposite of what was suggested to him there, like walking oh, around, yeah, walking the, the wrong way. direction and stuff. Yeah, to turn it on. But um, this was a. It's called the Moro. It's in uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. San Juan, Puerto Rico was a walled city, and it, it's been. It's a amazingly old. It's five hundred year old city that's been you know contested and controlled by multiple nations. And this, I have a feeling that I did not feel spiritually well at the time because of the attitude of the Puerto Rican people. Um, I wasn't open to to receiving any positive vibes, but um, 
this thing has just been scabbed onto over and over and over again by different militaries and ultimately um, the United States military and just sterilized in my opinion. And I don't think the magic that this place once um, had is, is there anymore. I think particularly with star forts, I, I would imagine they could lose their magic by not being um, in quotes magic there uh, by, by not being connected to either water or energy or dare I say the power grid that I think that they may have been a part of at one point in time because those the star forts um, they're so interesting because there's there's definitely something more to star forts than than we're led to believe which for most people is nothing we're not led to believe anything about them or even notice that they exist but they do exist and they're these very strange looking forts with like multi-sided star shapes they tend to be on water sources or near water sources um the 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 few exceptions that they're not it's thought that they used to be but that that um that rivers streams things like that have been rerouted and no longer come through there um i think that they were they were energy sources of a form of power grid that used to used to cover the entire world i think i think we used to have free power and i think these things were a major source of that do you think that links into the whole thing with the pyramids too that people believe that that was like another energy source because I my belief so. on a lot of this shit dude is that the people who are we're looking at as the people that created these things aren't actually the people that created these things they're people that stumbled upon them like the people that we're looking at as the ancient Egyptians weren't actually the ancient Egyptians. They were people that stumbled upon, you know, the pyramids and didn't even know what their practical use was. Yeah, they threw some dead bodies. They threw, I think, I, I've thought for a long time and, you know, I, I'm rethinking things always, but I've thought for a long time that the Egyptians found the pyramids and that they were f- long defunct by the time that the, the Egyptians found them. And that they they were like, what the hell are these things? You know, maybe they were buried and they and they uncovered them and they got inside and they went, holy shit. They put graffiti up all over the thing with their hieroglyphs, and, <laughs> you know, told their stories. And 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 they and they were like, these things are so magnificent. Let's let's even bury our greatest kings in them, which there's no evidence of anyway. There's never been a, a dead body found in any pyramid ever. Um what was but, the what were the people saying? Uh the archaeologists that started going there were the ones that were saying that they were tombs, but when they were asking the people in the region when they first started, you know, getting into discovering the pyramids, they were saying that the pyramids represent us. So even just the people that lived in the region had a different idea of what the pyramids could be. And even just that like, was I always like to point out if you look into the practical shit, they say that they were made with uh what was it, bronze tools and that they brought the giant rocks or the giant stones over on boats. Like, yes, that sounds good in theory. But if you're looking at uh, looking at it from a practical standpoint, like nobody actually tr- tries this shit out. But now now people have tried it out. Like if you try to chisel those kind of stones with those kind of tools, they just fucking break. Like you can't do Chud, it. Oh, yeah, Chud, there's there's amazing Chud, tell footage. Him the, tell him the tell him the stat after you'd say what you were going to say. Tell him the stat that you told me. The OK, yeah, mind. yeah. Uh, there's there's cool old footage from uh, a 1995, some mid 90s TV show from Discovery Channel or something where they they prove they, in quotes, they prove that these were cut with bronze saws, with bronze <laughs> tools. 
and it show it's this, it's this group of people who work for two days using bronze a bronze saw with two people on it on a block of the of the uh the stone that the pyramids are built out of and they're pouring water and sand on top of that and it's actually the sand that's that's cutting through through the through the block but it takes them they work on it it's for like 48 hours maybe 24 hours they do it for a day or maybe two days of just non-stop doing this and they get in like i don't know you know two centimeters, three centimeters. It's, it's like they barely get into it after doing this for days and they have to replace the blade like four times. And, and then they go, look, see, this is how they did it. But now Adam's asking for a stat that fits in really perfectly here because this blew my mind when you told me it. So, so there are approximated to be 2.5 million stones that make up the great pyramid of Giza. Mm-hmm. 2.5 million. And it is supposed to have been built over, I always forget this number, but I think it's over 80 years to be a tomb for um, uh, Kafufu. Is that his name? I can't ever remember that one either. But okay, so 2.5 million stones that were quarried several miles away and brought there and stacked. In order to make that work in that 80 year timeline, it's something like one block needs to be quarried, moved and stacked every five minutes, 24 hours a day for 80 years. It's building onto what you said too. Have you guys heard about the the weird cut sarcophagus that I, um, I got to find a picture of it. I'll send it to you guys after the show, but pretty much the idea is that they were cutting this sarcophagus and there's a line that's like a cut straight line and then it veers yeah. off to the side. So just yeah, having yeah. that proves that they had some other type of technology. Cause if you're sitting there chiseling, you'd be able to correct it without right. it being a shot off line. You wouldn't go that far off. Now that thing that I know which one you're talking about. And that looks like I, I I've, I've entertained a lot of different ways on how they could have cut this, but that specifically looks to me like they were using some kind of circular saw that could cut this shit and the blade got stuck. Like it veered off and got stuck and they had to remove it and they left it as such. Um, I mean, I could talk about anomalies in Egypt, like for freaking ever. I mean, sometimes there's, there's, there's boxes that are inside of these, these structures that are bigger than any of the openings and the, and the boxes will be like granite stone, six feet tall and deep and uh, you know, three feet, three feet wide, six feet tall, seven or 10 feet long with a lid on it. And it is polished to a mirror finish on the outside. And the whole thing is like so precise, like the square, like they'll, they'll come and they'll use like digital squares to check the angles of the inside and the outside and everywhere else. And it is correct. I mean, it is as square as it can get to like 0.00001% exact square and they have a lid on it that took you know 50 people to get off when they went back in the days when when like napoleon was discovering these or whatever and then and then furthermore like i said graffiti earlier like a box like i'm talking about then with that polished granite outside which is polished in a way that we couldn't possibly figure out how to do today Mm -hmm. then has etching on it with Egyptian symbols, which goes through that finish and looks just like fucking crude, just looks like crap. Like 
no one could have no one who could make that box would then decorate it with like handwritten chiseling you know yeah they would have had some other type of tool and they definitely would have done it way more professional looking that just builds on to the idea that it was already there and then somebody else came and they started taking over that area and those are the people that we're looking at like they were the ones that made all this shit when realistically like all point all signs point to that it was not them and the other thing I like to point out is that they had, what was it, like the 12-foot-long sarcophagus down there, and all the doorways are, like, extra tall. So then that kind of goes into the whole theory of giants being a possibility, and they could have been the original dwellers of Egypt. Dude, I'm super into that shit. I'm super into ideas like giants could have built these. I'm into the idea that humans who look just like us, but instead of having the approximate 10% of our brains that we have firing at a time, it all functioned at 100% capacity of their consciousness and that they had ways of manipulating the 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 earth in uh, and the and the magnetosphere the the uh the it's all about vibrations things cymatics things that go way beyond what we can comprehend with our barely functioning 10 percent brain um i'm i'm into the uh, i'm into aliens to some degree uh, uh you know like i I'll, I'll listen to anyone who's got got opinions that it was aliens that had anything to do with this uh but i do i love giants as a possibility what because if all of a sudden a what if that they were ancient alien bathhouses <laughs> that's a possibility yeah contracted hiv like what was going on in, in san francisco in the early 80s at the bathhouse <laughs> <laughs> kills off the ancient aliens um you know from from ancient aids and alien aids <laughs> yeah um and then it's it's discovered by giant egyptians yeah no these are all these are all things I'm gonna, that i will i'm gonna I write will consider. A, uh, i'm gonna write a book called um like it's gonna be a sequel to jared murphy's book but it's gonna be called it's not aliens worse it's ancient gay <laughs> have you guys heard of b theory before i had a guest talk about it a couple of shows back I don't know it, at least by that name. Okay, so B-theory, it has two meanings to it. Like, there, they feel like there isn't enough solid, solid evidence behind it, so it's like a B-theory, but it's also B-E-E theory. So okay. the idea is that I'll have to send you guys the episode after the show again because I'm probably going to describe this very crudely, but hopefully my listeners already heard that story, so they'll already know what I'm talking about. But basically the idea is that there's this uh, Siberian scientist that – basically started wondering how bees could fly the way they do with the small wings that they have. So he started figuring out this, uh, basically like the zero gravity type of thing built off of like their wing shape. Like I said, I'm explaining this very crudely, but uh, he supposedly attached these wing because, okay, so I had to build in this part first. So he was taking uh, like tacks and making these wings or attaching the bees wings to them and throwing them up and noticing that they'd levitate down very slowly. Like it was almost like creating like a zero gravity kind of rift. Um, so he started making this flying machine that he said was very crudely, like basically like a pallet with like these wings on it. And when he would do it, it would almost be like a zero gravity type machine where it would like let heavy things flow down very slowly. But when, when he was, was doing he, experiments, uh, what, was the, what was the timeline of this? When was he doing this? Ah, uh, shit. I want to say I'll have to look for the exact date, but this is just like a discovery that this particular scientist that if you guys know Chaz the Dead is, he was the one that was looking into this. Um, but he said that, uh, he created this, this supposed like flying machine. And when he was on it, he would realize that it would create like rifts 
within reality where he would drop shit off of it and it would end up uh, like making little holes in the things and it would like things would fuse into things. So it started kind of explaining the whole Mothman theory because people were from the ground were seeing this thing and they're describing it kind of like Mothman and they're getting the little microscopic holes within windows and stuff kind of like Mothman. But when he was doing it, he said there's other people that he realized also found this technology and the whole theory that this Scandinavian or not Scandinavian, this Siberian scientist was basically believing was that the bricks for the pyramid could have been moved by a machine that works like this because they discovered this technology of how bees fly with such small wings. Very crudely how I'm describing it. I definitely will send you guys that episode after the show so it can be described a little bit better by the guy who was researching it. But uh, it's still a possible theory that they had some type of different zero gravity kind of crude flying type machine that they could have used to, you know, levitate the blocks. Uh, But that's a very crude theory. Yeah, send me that episode. I, I, I want to check that out because I uh, I like that concept, like without even fully understanding it, of essentially a contraption built that functioned on technology in a way that we just don't don't really comprehend today, or or maybe someone can kind of can wrap their head around, but like like how did they how did they make this work? Like, because um, I think my favorite of the of the old old world concept for like what are the pyramids for you know like those boxes that are in there that that and stuff like i think that they're machines that were made for generating power and that maybe those boxes held things not people but you know uranium or something something like that well don't don't pyramids bring water out of the ground as well and well i well, so like there's like dry, I believe that they're considered to be dried up. They say that there are all these these underground rivers that run underneath the, the, the Giza Plateau. And like I've seen I've seen some dry diagrams drawn of people suggesting that these would have been connected to these underground heavy flowing rivers that if they had ways to block it, they could have constructed them then removed something which would have flooded the insides of the pyramid and created force of the water running through there and like the way the chambers are all lined up you know that it would cause this constant force of energy like physically to be getting pushed out of there and then if the proper components which would be something that we don't understand today were to be energized by that energy being the, 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 by the by the force of the water coming through and then that caused it like maybe that shot up from the center of it some kind of beam of energy that then other pyramids or star forts or other ways of harnessing that energy back in could have been turned into electricity which then could have powered things maybe even from the air from the ether instead of having to have wires and and all that kind of stuff. So you could have had contraptions with bee-like wings that were able to help them construct other pyramids and other megalithic structures, because it doesn't end at pyramids. In fact, it only begins at pyramids when you start getting into megalithic structures. I mean, they're like, Tartaria talk about architecture is one thing, but you start looking at like Machu Picchu, you start looking at Saxe Homan. You start looking at some of these these ancient megalithic structures that exist with you know four hundred ton blocks that are all cut 
in different shapes that all fit together so incredibly tight that you couldn't fit a razor blade through it today. And these things have withstood earthquakes. If they're as old as we're told, they've been withstanding earthquakes and natural disasters and everything else for thousands of years. And they have not, not tumbled. I like the, I like the energy grid um, analogy just because of uh, bring it, to bring it back to Jared Murphy again. Um, the Terra Preta, which conducts electricity, which has been mm -hmm. found on multiple continents that have pyramids. Absolutely. Are you familiar with Terra Preta? Uh, me? Yeah. Uh, I don't believe so, actually. It's a, it's a man-made engineered soil that's found mostly in South America, but it's found on, on I believe, every continent except for, for Antarctica, um, that it can conduct electricity. It's the and most it is, fertile soil known to man. Nothing has ever grown better in anything. It's it's theorized to be why the uh, the the rainforests are the uh, thriving um, uh, jungles that they are is because because of this terra preta that they're all they're all sitting in. Now, we can't um, we can't recreate it. If you go on YouTube, there's a whole bunch of people trying to, and they they come up with this stuff called biochar which is pretty good, but it's not, it's not Terra Preta. And where they found it in the Amazon, um, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, Chud, it's been like super, I don't know the exact how many feet deep, but it's like super, super deep. And the amount of time that it takes for it to be, it would have been taken for it to be made is, is off the charts. And then the fact that it's, it's found all over the world is, it's just unexplainable. It's really mind bending when you get into to the Terra Preta. Um, yeah, Jared, all of Jared these Murphy things. explains it well. Well, Jared Murphy kind of explains it in a way that's hard to follow, but it's 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 hard to follow, but it's because he's explaining it so well. Yeah, because <laughs> he gets he gets into the into the weeds with it and the weeds that are grown with it as well. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, you start putting all these things together. You know, I mean, we're we're far away from from talking of uh, of of the Tartarian brand of, of false history, but no matter how you cut it, there's false history at, at play. Oh yeah. There, all over the world there. I, I think there's so much more, there's so much more mystery to our understanding of the, of the human story of the story. Maybe it's not even just human, but the story of what has happened uh, on earth um we're never gonna know and that's why i think academics are absolute scoundrels i think they're rascals who are purposely trying to make people not think about this shit by giving them answers that are pretty shitty answers let's face it but aside from being shitty answers they're just giving them answers to shut everybody up and quit thinking about it yeah similarly i i just retweeted uh um uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, you know, we just had a, a, a lunar eclipse a couple days ago, and um, I wasn't able to see it because I'm in the Pacific Northwest where we almost never get to see the sky. Uh, but, uh, you know, I pay, I'm a, I'm a big sky watcher, and I was, I was really excited about it. And then the next day, I was bummed that I didn't see it. Um, still went out and tried to feel the energy of it through the clouds. 
Uh, and the next day I'm on, I'm on the old tweeter there and there's Neil deGrasse Tyson. And he says something to the effect of lunar eclipses are so incredibly uninteresting that if it weren't for the fact that you heard about it on the news, you would never even know it happened. And I'm like, wait, are, are you trying to get people to look at this guy? I mean, as a guy who, whose job is to theoretically his job is to manipulate people yeah but theoretically his job is to look at the sky and talk about the sky to tell us that a lunar eclipse is something that's not worth looking at that to me is like a, a historian who says the past is so uninteresting that there's no need to examine it we have it all figured out actually you i'm sure i'm assuming you guys follow the whole like atlantis thing right yeah so you know about the like supposed three halls of records right yeah. So what if I don't, I don't. Oh, you don't. OK, so there was a part of the Atlantis story is that the Egyptian priests talked about how they needed to create these halls of records that have basically human history before the cataclysms, because I think there's supposed to be what, like seven different cataclysms or something that restarted humanity. Uh, so one of them is supposedly, which may be a false flag. So it's like, hey, look over here. But underneath the Sphinx's foot. But the Egyptian government won't let people look down in that cavern, even though they know that there's an entrance underneath the Sphinx's foot. Which there absolutely is. And there my is other, an entrance. My other theory is that one of them has probably already been discovered, and it's in the Vatican. So we probably know about all of history from the beginning, and that shit's hidden in the Vatican. And then the other one theoretically could have been found by all of these like people that are trying to rewrite history. Um, and that's like, they know our draw, they know, like the abilities of things, they know, like what people are capable of, but they're trying to hide the history because they know the history. And if they know that if people discover this history, then, you know, like the, the shit's going to hit the fan essentially, but they may have already taken it out from this underneath the Sphinx's foot, but they're just trying to make everybody like, cause I feel like if it's that well known that there's a possibility of it being there, that like somebody i guarantee you for the egyptian government whoever whoever the higher powers Z has already been in there and already knows Zawi hawass the uh the the president of the egyptological society uh you can see footage he even did a little thing for discovery channel or something they for i don't know two months they put a tent over the section which is uh which is where that entrance is mm -hmm. and uh he and three other people spent all day, every day for, for months in there. And then they came out, they took down the tent, they called the newspapers. They said, look, we found this hatch. It leads to nowhere. Is that the one where they go up, up behind the Sphinx too? And they're like, look, this path leads to nowhere. And there's like clearly like a little cutout opening that looks like it partly collapsed. Is that the same thing you're talking about? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be the same thing. Cause uh, this guy that I, that I follow, he was, he was out there not that long ago and he actually snuck down there with his phone and I remember uh, seeing that video. Yeah. And he, he got, he had to get out of there real quick, but he was down there just long enough to like show it's like, yeah, these things go places. That is not that. I don't know. Even if it doesn't quote, even if it quote unquote does not go anywhere, the fact that it's there is interesting, right? It has to lead to somewhere. Cause why the fuck would ancient Egyptians just make a cavern that drops down and doesn't lead anywhere. That doesn't make any fucking sense. It I don't know. Like that's what they want us to believe. Video. It's collapsed, collapsed tunnels, possibly. That, that, that's what it is. At, at, at best, that's what it is. At worst, you know, worst being on them. I mean, um, they're, they're not collapsed or there's some collapsing or maybe even really worse would be that they, they blocked it up. 
because they don't want people going down there. Um, But, you know, they want us to, they feed us this narrative of like, oh, what did the ancient people do? I don't know, man. They cut and moved big blocks all the time and they dug really deep holes and they were just so bored that they did really bizarre shit. that just doesn't make sense. Oh, but sometimes they also made incredible artwork that's like built out of stone and bigger than life. Like Sometimes that, they did that. Like that but one other in times India it's pointless. That, that's completely carved out of one giant rock and it's like a giant temple. That's like a prime example oh. of just some weird shit that's just like, how the sure. fuck is that possible? <laughs> yeah, there's also like all over the world, there are wells that are like crazy huge that are in, that are uh, like, I mean, the whole thing is a carving into the bedrock that goes down and there's stairways and, and, you know, it, it starts looking like, uh, like Tartarian old world structures, Adam, but it's down into the ground that like, it's, it, it's a temple of sorts that goes down, but they're just like, yeah, that's a well. Where's that? Uh, well, there, there's a few of them all like in Egypt and uh, Turkey, uh, you know, mostly that- over, that reminds me of those underground cities in Turkey that they just recently started discovering. And they weren't just like uh, little cities. Like they had enough for like livestock to live down there. There was like whole civilizations that people could live down yeah. there. And then that Yeah, there's one not Earth. far, not far from Gobekli Tepe. They're working on right now that they're 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 believing had uh three hundred and fifty thousand people living in it with a fully sustained like enough farm animals uh, in this underground city as well to sustain a quarter million people and they were trying like, to say that they did it time pressed like something was happening but there's no way in fuck you could make that time pressed like oh no the great floods are coming for example or oh no like a meteor's coming let's just carve this entire fucking city that thousands of people can live in like instantly like that was years and years of work like there's no yeah. way around that all these things are too it's you know that's the thing it's just like with uh with with world's fairs and stuff adam where like the timelines just don't make sense like it none of it makes sense when it's as when it's as pointless as the academics will tell you about these ancient structures it's like this a lot of these things would have taken generations generations not just like a lifetime which a lifetime is a long time but generations of lifetimes to build some of these structures and they're like yeah they just they just did that because they were bored there was no point to it you know it's just they they just didn't have anything else to do. What do you expect them to do? They're in a desert, you know? That's where the reptilians yeah. came from. They're just trying to play sounds, it off. Uh, like, oh, ancient people made this. Incredibly uninteresting to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> those are the those are the reptilians' old houses. That's where they really came from. They're just trying to play it off. Like, oh yeah, people made this in Turkey, but that was really like where all these reptilians were living. <laughs> yeah, totally. Indars from. Or, you know, if you entertain the melted buildings idea. And then also expand out timelines to a ridiculously long time. And you go, well, what if, what if melted buildings happened a million years ago? Like really, really stretching it out, right? What if there was a flourishing human population a million years ago and that shit melted down all a red brick style, uh, but a long, long time ago. And then things like those underground civilizations where people opening up and getting down into the old buildings of that time. Like those are almost like a, ah, yeah, that would make sense. Like, like they just got buried over by time. Cause then that would kind of go yeah. into like how uh, Easter Island is where they thought they were just heads, but they actually go down yeah, right below the that. Bodies. Yeah. yeah. 
that just some of that megalithic structure there too a lot of people don't realize that there is uh there are megalithic walls they're built out of uh, multi-ton rocks that are all of different shapes and sizes but yet they're fit together so perfectly that they can't they can't be toppled they can't it's impossible it's uh they're they're so perfectly fit together and that just shows how different ancient people if they were even fucking people who fucking knows man like mm-hmm. they were they were planning this shit out to make it last like we can't even build shit like that that lasts as long as like the pyramids are gonna last you know no architecture is so interesting i mean like even if like let's let's zoom back to to like the modern era and if we just look at like uh 19th century architecture these stone stone buildings of the 19th century some of which are still standing today some of which were were toppled and burned for what seems to be no purpose no reason whatsoever throughout time but those things were really well 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 built while we are getting cheaper and shittier on our architecture all the time I, everything I mean, this is my expertise you know I, i've been in yeah huge under construction concrete buildings for the past 12 years there's not a perfect right angle in any of them it's always all fucked up we can't even mm-hmm. make a right angle in a fucking elevator shaft in a in a modern building it's and that and that's just forming concrete to make that yep. happen too like yeah. we could perfect that within the concrete that we're using sure but you know it's just concrete so it's not going to be around for long anyway it's not like some of these old structures where they're just like this was meant to last the ages it's, it's really bizarre when you think about it. I mean, like even I'm in my house, which is a little over a hundred years old and it is built so much better, like systematically throughout time, something built at the turn of the century is better than something built in 1950, something built in 1950s built better than something from 1970, something built in 1970 is better than something built in 2000, something built in 2000 is better than something built in 2022. Like we're always on this mission, it seems, to build shittier and shittier buildings. You look it's, at during the when we had the problem with lumber and shit, and they were just basically building fucking sheds with siding on them, and like people were paying out the ass for these fucking buildings, and it just they've just gotten cheaper and cheaper. Like you could probably punch a hole through the fucking wall on a lot of these buildings that are building during COVID. It brings me to beg the question that I I often I often try to reverse. Uh, engineer thinking about about the ancient past by saying by asking the question of like what do you think will be left of what we have now in a thousand years what i don't think anything yeah like, literally nothing. nothing maybe maybe my house maybe your house but no i mean i don't know it's i, mean, I, I, I like you know it's it, it's like uh like when i when i'm trying to decode the ancient past you know like Georgia, I start Georgia I, Guidestones will be there. If I start talking, yeah, that could be. <laughs> um, but that's a megalithic structure of sorts, right? It might be small and it might not be a building, but it's it's megalithic. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, you know, when people when I start talking about the past, and I might start getting into some woo-woo stuff, and I start using words like magic and and uh, uh, things like that, um, and maybe a normie starts rolling their eyes at things like that. It's like, yeah, but just, just imagine for a second that like civilization fell. Uh, COVID was real and we all died, but there's a few people left 
and you know everything breaks down really bad you know like everything you know there are no people so nothing's maintained we deal with some some weather changes throughout time you let it like a thousand years roll by with all of this for one thing none of our architecture is going to survive i think the pyramids and the megalithic structures maybe the georgia guidestones which is new would survive uh, maybe some other things um maybe some other structures that are older than we think they are that people are occupying today. Maybe some of those things would, would continue. But then within that, the few people that would carry on say, we, we, we don't have power anymore. You know, there's no, no electricity, you know, all these, all these things that are culturally relevant today don't exist anymore. And over time they, they manage to survive and they keep telling people about the old world, which is today. 2022 is the old world now and they're saying no 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 we had we had the ability to fly through the sky because we had airplanes right we had the ability to take out this this uh this mirror because those are still around for a while but they don't function all you can see is this this mirror you know it's just these weird mirrors <laughs> and then and then over the generations that gets passed down that oh there used to be these mirrors they're all gone now but they used to have these mirrors, which they could rub and talk to people from anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world. And these are real stories, right? They really did fly. They really did rub something in their hand and, and be able to conjure up the image of another person from, uh, from a thousand miles away and hold a conversation. We're literally doing this right now between the three of us on Zoom, right? If you were to try and describe to someone who hadn't seen any of our technology for, say, just three or five generations, it would start to sound like magic. And yeah, the more literally. that got passed down generation by generation, this would be a mythical time that didn't exist. The idea of us three doing this right now would be none less than gods. We were gods <laughs> who, yeah. were, who were sitting here and doing what we're doing right now. It would be unfathomable to just a few generations down the road of hearing about these things and maybe seeing some signs of relics. And those people continue to tell our, the stories of the old world magic until none of these things exist anymore, these relics to even show that they once functioned and were a thing. Then those become myth a myth. And the stories of 2022 is the stories of the gods of yesterday. Yeah, the and the great plague of 2020 to 2022 that that was the first massive die off on their yep. on their exit from the world. Yep. Exactly. Anyway. There were once were gods, but they were wiped out by COVID. <laughs> no, it'll be something different by then that wipes us out. It'll be the what's that new one that they're talking about? Uh, uh monkeypox. Yeah, there it is. Fucking monkeypox. <laughs> Monkeypox plagues of 2025 wiped out 90% of the human race and 10% had to repopulate. And then you start getting into like, oh, all the smart people passed away and then society had to rebuild itself. And then like you were saying, it's all fucking magic woo-woo shit. Mm -hmm. Almost every technology we have today, this whole, oh, they used electricity and they somehow found a way to harness the, the bolt lightning from the sky and they put it inside of these devices. And then these yeah. devices magically worked or they could communicate with people around the world and every piece of information they needed was somehow in the air. And it got pulled to this device that they somehow figured out how to harness lightning from it, the sky and put and it the in the lightning from the sky. Because, yeah, like after a little while, once electricity has not been seen on the level that we know it as, right? 
And they're trying to explain what was explained to you, what was explained to them, what was explained to them, because you're a few generations down and you're trying to explain to your kid what what your your understanding of this is. You say, yeah, well, it all worked with electricity. And the kid's going, well, what is electricity? I don't quite get this concept. What are you telling me? And you're like, oh, it's like the lightning. See that lightning? That's how they used to be able to communicate through things that they would hold in their hand and rub and see people from thousands of miles away and communicate and and if they needed to, if they needed to see each other in person, they'd get in a metal tube and they'd fly through the air. And then they would they would get off of that. And, you know, <laughs> I don't they also know. had it's... this weird thing where they would put on these special glasses and they'd be able to go inside of a whole other world. Yeah. Right. What if we're, what if we've somehow traveled back to the time before what we call like Tartaria has happened and it hasn't happened yet? but we still have pictures of the future that we think are the past. Then you start getting into like CERN. What if they're mm-hmm. fucking up the timeline? Yeah. I don't even what, smoke like, we're weed, looking at man, And I just came up with that right now. Dude. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> they, they could, they, they reason the whole why Tartaria probably popped out of fucking nowhere. It could theoretically be because CERN's fucking up, you know, the dimensions and we're like intermixing dimensions and we're seeing shit partly from the future and part of shit from the past. And it's intermixing and making this weird fucked up concept that we all can't understand because it's (laughs) multiple realities sitting on top of each other. (laughs) I'm open to that because that fits in my lens of, of all of it, of that. It still means that I am not, I'm not crazy for looking at the past and realizing that this is all, it's not right. Whatever we're looking at is not what, what, academia and and uh mainstream thought has us to believe just like we're describing it we're describing it as primitive as possible we could be doing literally the same shit for their technology where it's simple simple based as far as their understanding is just like how we're talking about technology now but we're looking at it from like a primitive standpoint so it doesn't make any fucking sense well, that's, sounds like that's what magic that's what got me yep. to that point was talking about phones and these magic screens because we if you're like into antiquitech and the fairs and stuff you hear about like these tv screens that they had that you could talk to people through and um you know like people there's matt terrellon thinks that people had cell phones i don't yeah. know if he thinks that but he said well, that he's, he's open to people it. with weird looking like cell phones at the world's fair so, like so adam early, you know what this brings 1900s. us all to you know this brings us all to it's the same place we were at yesterday towards the end of our podcast what if what if let's just let's just play with it for a sec what if people literally had all the technology that we know and see today in 1855 1855 but there was a carrington event which wiped out all that technology and reset us and then we had the world's fairs reprogram us to not know about the technology that existed Hey, they talk about solar flares that happened in the early 1900s that knocked out a shit ton of technology. Who's to say there that's, wasn't even bigger solar yeah, flare that happened in the mid 1800s? Carrington event, Carrington event, or uh, Carrington event was uh, 1859, and it was supposed to have been a solar flare that lit up the sky for three days straight, all over the whole world, and that was when the telegraph system was was new, and it made all of them blow up. See, we're describing the same thing. I just didn't know the name of it. So yeah, same point. (laughs) But there's, but there had, but there was no, from my understanding, from just learning about this recently in the last three episodes of our show, there was no record of that happening besides, besides a newspaper article 
you found from the 1859 or whatever from Baltimore, maybe. Yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore it wasn't newspaper. reported other than that, according to Howdy Mikowski, until the early 2000s. Yeah, this is what I'm. This is what I'm digging in on whenever I get a chance right now, which I have like zero time to 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 do shit like this right now. It's springtime. I got I got farm work and I got I got a day job too, and then podcasting on top of all of that. But I'm really curious about this Carrington event and if it happened, what happened. Finding that newspaper article is pretty interesting from 1859. Just talks about the Aurora Borealis in Baltimore being intensely bright to the point of being able to read a newspaper um, at, at midnight. So God damn, there could have been another cataclysm during all these giant cataclysms. There could have been advanced technology that you know. Just like our stuff, this wouldn't la- like this laptop wouldn't last a great flood. Like the no. shit would eventually get destroyed and it would get worn down. Like mm-hmm. who's to say that all these different civilizations that may have existed before all these big events happened didn't have the same technology we had, and we've had to restart tech like all technology multiple times. And that's why we don't understand uh, these old world concepts again is because it's just like lost within you know telephone pretty much and people trying to describe this shit that doesn't make any fucking sense to them and it's just generations of doing the same thing you know all the stories of the gods are just people like us who were using cell phones and looking at Pornhub and jerking off all the time and they were total pieces of shit but over time they became glorified as these great beings dude I, I have to share this concept with you guys I think you guys would be into it it's been this thing that I've been pondering lately so say we create AI that means that we'd be gods to AI right so if we're looking at, say, Anunnaki as gods, that means that there's still a god above them that they perceive as gods that created them. So it could be a continuous chain of that where we're looking at the next being like it's gods, but we keep creating these new forms of civilizations through different types of species. And we're looking at the one that created it as gods, but they were never really gods. So where the hell is the end point to that? So we're just some middle of the road god. Yeah. We're just fucking mediocre in that in that sense. Mediocre we AI, We're going to be the gods to AI. And then, you know, once AI creates something else past AI, then it's fractal. It's like, who the fuck is this? Or we're going to be completely lost and missed through time because we're looking at the Anunnaki, but there there's could be stuff before the Anunnaki. And then there could be stuff that created the thing that created the Anunnaki and it's a continuous chain. But yeah. once you get to that one that created you, you don't really get much knowledge of that one above them because they want you to perceive them as God. So which would be the same shit we do to fucking AI. And it would just be this continuous chain of just losing all of that history because you want the next generation that you created to perceive you as the gods. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. I mean, that plays into, I, I I'm really into fractal looking at things from a fractal nature. Uh, I like, I like that a lot, just as I do the idea that, you know, like um, I've been, I've been entertaining this uh, rocks are alive type type concept a bit lately of uh, geology and, and biology being one thing. It's just like, a consciousness we don't understand because we understand consciousness as us. Even going into the alien concept, like we're looking at aliens like they're a consciousness like ours, but they could be a pure being of light or a pure being of darkness or something else. And we don't understand that method of how that consciousness exists because we barely even understand our own. Con- we don't even understand our own consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. like who's to say that there's just not totally different chains of things. They're just made up of a completely different fucking makeup. And that's why we can't even begin to comprehend or understand them. Yeah. It's outside of the realm of our, it's, we can't, we can't even begin to fathom it, let alone wrap our minds around it. Exactly. Like we are looking at a start point, but there could never even be a start point. If time's not linear, 
like I was getting into the whole, I was building onto that whole theory. I was telling you guys where, what if the first race creates the last race and it's like a continuous cycle through the, through time that the first thing creates the last thing, the last thing creates the first thing and time's not linear and it just continues on. That's just literally the circle of life, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm way up into that too. This for the last race, would figure per- out time travel and try to try to go back. This perpetual reset to the 1950s is really going to, really going to fuck with me <laughs> to the 1850s yeah to the 1850s yeah 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 <laughs> i mean maybe it's just 200 years over and over and over again groundhog's day the <laughs> the 200 year version instead of the one day version and we're so primitive and don't advance because we're too busy polarizing and fighting with each other that we can't just stand back and look at the bigger picture because we're because we're busy trying to figure out the shape of the fucking earth <laughs> And we well, got, there could we be got, a giant ice wall in Antarctica. And I like sh- to do this shit, but look at Antarctica, bro. And there's a big-ass spot in the fucking center of Antarctica where it's clearly a circle that they put there so that you can't see whatever the fuck is actually there. Where, where are you talking? Like on, on Google Maps or something? Yeah. And like yeah, any man. Kind of map you look up, there's just like this weird spot right in the fucking center. And when you try to do the pin drops to see certain locations, it only shows you the outside perimeter of it. Have you guys seen the... Urbano Monte map. No. Has heard of that? You should look it up right now and just look at it for like, like just one minute. I, yeah. I'm, I'm blown away by this. Not I, that, I can't eat. Not that you guys, I, you know, or the, the listeners can see this map, but uh, there's this map. I got to find what the hell this guy's name is, but I ended up buying one of his books just so I could find this map. And he has this whole idea of like these different like earth planes. Like, I don't know if you guys can kind yeah. of. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that the I've one you're talking that. about? That is not the one I'm talking about, but that is just as intriguing to me because that's when Earth is like in the center of that thing, right? Yep. And I'll have to, yeah. I'll send you guys this picture after the show because I purposely bought the book because the guy that has it will like put a bunch of shit over it so you can't read dick on it. So I bought the mm-hmm. books just so I could zoom in on it. And if you guys can't see the names, uh, I can send you guys individual pictures because each oh, chapter describes a new fucking, region. Uh, it's a puddle. It's a puddle globe or a puddle. Or, it's the puddle map. Terra Infinita T E R. I'm looking at Urbano Monte. Okay, we got we got two different maps going on here. Okay, I'm looking at the one you said, Chud. Yeah, the Urbano, Urbano Monte. Monte. It's, it's puddle theory, it's, yeah. but there's all this other crazy land around the outside of what would be Antarctica, and that okay. thing is from the 1500s, and it's 10 feet by 10 feet, like huge ass map. I want to know, know more about that. You want, but I want to know more about the this other one too. You know, okay. want to know something that'll really fuck with you bad huh casey from golden gate starfort command did it to me you know like on um in 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 school when they had those maps that you pull down at the front of the room they're the different ones you know how they have like the um the one that's like a globe but flat so it's cut like that it has the kind of weird up and down through the middle yeah Yeah, it's like it's like mcdonald's arches kind of on both sides it's like if you cut a globe open and put it flat yeah he told me, look at that as if it's convex, not concave, and you'll never see it differently again in the, for the rest of your life. Hold on. What is convex versus concave? So like... Uh, you talking about like the, almost like the golf ball theory of like the different worlds that a bunch... Of, what the fuck? There's a name for that, but it's, it's just described saying, as like a golf ball. look at it tips. as if it's going in, not around, out. Okay. Know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I'm oh, that's yeah, totally. And if you look at go look at find a picture of one of those and then look at it and you'll see it concave or convex. Yeah. And and you'll never see it differently. It's one of those okay. things that once you see it that way, once you, you can't, unless you, can't you haven't thought of it, it that way, but once you look at it that way, and yeah. that makes it, sense. You know, it's amazing yeah. that that idea just made popped into my head a long time ago before I was awake to, to earth shape or anything like this. I saw a map of the world, the same one that they pulled down, but not the, not the, the one that's, yeah. that's rectangle. So yep. the, the one that they pulled down in the classroom and, you know, uh, America's on the left and, and uh, Japan's oh, on the right. America's usually right in the middle, though. Of, of, of that, the ones of in that, the... of that map in the school. Yeah, they usually put yeah. North America right dead center and, and it's much larger than it should be proportionately. So a long time ago, I saw one of those upside down with all the words on it upside down as well. So it looks so all the words you could read it. Right. But everything yeah. was just upside down. And it was this, and this was like a long time ago. And it was like, it like hurt my head to look at it. Cause I'd seen that image so many times. I was like having trouble finding places on it and stuff. It was like, it was like looking at a clock backwards or writing that was all backwards or something like that. It was like, it, it really messed with me. It, it kind of helped me years down the road to, to throw away my belief systems to be able to look at things like flat earth was just, just flipping that thing around, just flipping the, the quote unquote world map upside down, like made it an unrecognizable place mm-hmm. because the whole thing is all in our minds that we have it etched out. Like you ask the average person who's never thought about this stuff. Do you know what the world looks like? They're just like, yeah, duh. I've seen globes. I've seen maps, you know, like it's been programmed into me my whole, well, they're not going to say programmed, but it's been, it's, they've been around it their whole lives. Like, but in reality, the slightest tweak on those things that they've been around their whole lives and they're not even going to recognize it. You just look at maps from like a hundred years ago and just the shapes of continents, like they're, they're different. So who's to say in another like 10, 15 years, the maps aren't going to adjust even a little bit more. And like you were saying, people won't even notice it because it'll be tweaked just slightly enough, you know? Just a little. Yeah. And even for that matter, like, if uh, it, I, I'm red pilled to that, there are no photographs of space, but mm-hmm. just look at the, I'm going to call them photographs of space uh, and compare the continents from one picture to another. Continents are always different sizes. It never looks the same twice in a row. Those, those things are such jokes. I want to point out too from space is that, okay, so you can't see stars that great in your cities because of light pollution. So the pictures that they're going from on the moon, looking at the planet, right? Why the mm-hmm. fuck isn't the sky completely just packed full of fucking stars? Like you've never seen before. Why is the sky completely black? You watch well, the, Apo- the Apollo astronauts shit. said that they couldn't see any stars from the moon. I have a really good question along those lines. Why is it been 50 years since the last time anyone went to the moon and we've never put a telescope on the moon to help us observe the sky better from the moon or even put a rover on the moon like I mean, we I put think rovers we all on know. mars why not on the we moon know the, we know the answer to that chud x oh i i know the answer i just like asking the questions sometimes we just lost, but i like we, asking we, that to normal people you guys aren't as much fun to ask it to <laughs> yes that to a normal person and they they usually go well i think we do you know, they'll, they'll say something like to that effect. They'll, they'll assume that, of course, we have telescopes. Of course, I'm sure that we can look at a live feed 
of the earth from the moon. I'm sure they have a camera just pointing at earth all no, the time. We, we Why don't the you just look it up? We had the technology, but we lost it. It got taped. Yeah. The tapes got taped over. We lost the technology and we're trying to get it back. It's Did been a pain, hear, uh, painful process to build. You it listen back. to uh, Bart Sabrell on higher side chats. Not yet, but I, I saw that. I saw he got him. Like, why is why is he doing that so late in the game? I mean, I like, know, man. It made me feel pretty was... good. Like, man, we got we got Bart Sabrell <laughs> before Greg Carlwood did. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Have you listened to it? Was it great? Yeah, it's it's so not it's, much. I mean, same um, thing he did with us, probably. Yeah, he gets into a little bit of more. Uh, Greg Carlwood gets, you know how he does. He doesn't like Christianity, so he gets into some of the some of our sure. Christian stuff with him, but it's good. Cool. Hey, I got a question for you guys. I gotta get out of here pretty quick because my wife's cooking dinner. But um, so I'm definitely behind the curve on um on ancient Egypt stuff, and I feel inadequate because of it, and I'd like to get caught up. What's uh what's you know the 101 book that I should look at? Fingerprints of the gods. Fingerprints of the gods is really good. Um, yeah, that that's what I would recommend there. Uh, there is a really, really good series uh, that you can watch. Um, that's got a pretty generic name. That's uh, called like ancient Egypt or something like that, that you won't be able to find just looking up, but it's available on multiple like free apps. Uh, and it's like a 10 part series. And um the guys who put that together are like Graham Hancock's in it. Uh, like all, all the, all the major players of people that, that um, really understand the right questions to ask. It gets into technology. It gets into, well, it gets, a, it, it goes through, it's like 10 episodes. Each are like an hour. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out how to, how to send you a link for that. And you'll okay. probably just need to download one of those fucking spy apps for like a fire stick or something that, that, give you free tv with ads or something like that and you'll be able to to watch it but it'll 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 take you through the whole whole concept it'll embody all of graham hancock's work on it into into one digestible series they got the um they have the movie companion for um chariots of the gods on amazon prime like the Uh. the old like the old 70s one yeah oh cool i also recommend there's this guy called brett insights it's on youtube He's yeah. very into like hidden history. His his channel is fucking awesome. Even for the What's listeners, it called? it's called that, that's, Insight. What, yeah, what, that's, in, what insights? Bright insight. Bright, Bright insights. Like he talks about who, this place called Tanis, and it was like the what he believes is the original capital of Egypt. And uh, there's like biblical verses that talk about how you know the city was going to be destroyed by something from the sky. And there's like rose granite that has like singe marks, and just like the city looks like it was fucking annihilated by something. Just obliterated. And it doesn't even look the way it did in the old drawings of it, like back in the day, because they people have gone through and picked it all up and organized all the stuff because it was actually even more scattered and spread out. Yeah, that that's Jimmy Corsetti, and he oh, uh, he was on he was on Rogan, right? He I was, was trying on to get Rogan. him on my show too, but yeah, it does, I, it's him. I've tried I've tried to get him on ours a few times, and he's never never responded. Um, then he, he was on Rogan. Then he was on Rogan, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Now, now he's not going to talk to we us." We have, I think, I can't remember. I think we have two people that have been on the Joe Rogan Experience on our show. Yeah, I can't. Kind of said I've gotten that guy to read my messages, but he hasn't responded. So I know he's yeah. looked at him. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the one who climbed down the, the um, Sphinx tunnel. Was he one of them too? I didn't know he actually did that. I, I think he did. Well, maybe I'm wrong. 
I think he definitely he had it on one of his episodes for sure. He had that video footage that you were talking about earlier. Maybe he just showed the footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Jimmy, Jimmy's great. I mean, he's he's a little a little blue pilled on certain things, but he's he's so good on other stuff. Uh, like he believes we went to the moon, for instance, but he does poke a lot of holes in the official narrative of going to the moon. Um, like his his stuff about the moon is actually really intriguing because because I don't think we went, and it's really cool to listen to someone who thinks we did who has just a totally different perspective on it than the mainstream. Very true. So you said you got to get going soon. So one thing I always like to do on my show uh, with the guests before I leave is words of wisdom to the listeners from both your guys' opinions. You go first, Shadex. All right. I'll give, uh, I call it my ultimate white pill. I've said it a few times. Uh, And that is uh, the way I see it is that there is a lot of lying in our world. We're lied to a lot. And um, I think that the people that lie to us are the I call the I call them the predator class. And I think the predator class hides things and lies to us over and over and over again. And instead of taking that as the black pill that it might seem like it is, I I turn that into the biggest white pill of all, which is that uh, if they're lying to us, they are bad people. And they're lying to us because we are good people. And I think that we as humans are divine creatures who have a spark inside of us that they don't want us to find out about. And the, their lies are, are actually are my own proof that we, that we are more than we seem to be. Because everything links back to spiritualism too, man. Yeah. <laughs> How about hey, you, Adam? Turn. You got some uh, words of wisdom for the listeners? Yeah, um, I'll give my uh, my white pill that I came through from uh, being so black pilled that I got nowhere else to go. Like I made full circle. Um, nobody's coming for us. You always have a fucking choice. That's what I learned from Chud X on the last episode of his other podcast. You always have a choice, and there is immense power in the word no. So that's all I got. Very true. So other, one last thing, both you guys want to drop your plugs for your shows together, your different shows, all that kind of fun stuff. So everybody knows where to find you guys. Yeah. Um, so guys, we do, uh, we do just one big, uh, fun show. Deborah gets red pilled. Um, sometimes it's with my mother-in-law and me. Sometimes it's with the three of us. And then sometimes it's just, uh, Chud X and I and a guest, and maybe we'll do some solo stuff too soon. And we call that one into the apocalypse but that's all under the same RSS feed. And um, yeah, you can find us, uh, you know, Twitter and all that bullshit. So we're easy to find if you want to find us. And uh, we'd love to, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And um, if anybody, you know, it'd be cool to start getting some people that have, uh, that we can have fun talks like this on that aren't famous, that are not like seeking out by name, that just want to come and, and tell us about some of their wacky, wacky theories so we can go down these, these deep dark rabbit holes that are gonna man this 1850 thing is gonna keep me up all night so. <laughs> dude i'm about to go and uh edit some episodes and look more into these uh old civilizations at this point because now, now i'm interested for the night i found my fascination to keep me keep me awake for a while <laughs> yeah and um i guess um I, i'll give you i'll give you one more piece of advice just because i've been doing this longer than you um and what i would say is 
I think you probably already know, like, as soon as you meet somebody that says they know the answers, like, fuck them, you know, nobody knows, nobody knows anything, man. All the so ancient true. philosophers used to say, man, you don't ever start to understand anything until you realize that you know nothing. Yeah. I mean, no, I hear that so much in this, this, uh, this world of podcasting, um, and in our, in our sphere of it, that, uh, all of us, the more we try to learn, the only thing we keep learning is that we don't know shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The more and, episodes uh, you do, the more confused you should be, I think. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, people can come check me out as well. Uh, my wife, Lanny, and I do a podcast called The World As It Is Today. And we focus mostly on how to apply our anarcho family values in 2022 we we talk about family we talk about our most recent episode is about the uh the baby formula shortage we've got a lot to say about baby formula itself and supply chain issues and all of that kind of stuff because we're we're again it's it's a podcast about family but we're coming at it from an anarchist point of view and it's uh it's good insight yeah, you, and really, you can yeah. find that, and you can find that anywhere except for Spotify. We haven't figured out how to get onto Spotify, but uh, if you go, to, if you go to Podbean, that's where you can find our RSS feed and everywhere else. Yeah, it's called the world as it is today. It's it's really good, and uh, yeah, if you uh, have a family that you want to make changes to, or you're looking like my wife and I to have a family and um, raise cool kids, like they're doing it the right way. So I'm definitely going to have to check that one out. I appreciate both you guys coming on the show. I appreciate you making the time to have this conversation with me. You've given me a bunch of new rabbit holes to dig into and I appreciate it guys. Yeah, this was awesome, a ton dude. of fun, man. Thanks for having us, Shane. This is a blast. Love to talk to you again sometime. Oh, for sure. We'll definitely plan it out. So and all the listeners that have stuck around, I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and no matter where you are, I hope you have a great night. Good night, everybody. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.